everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of the Poker Go podcast. My name is Donnie Peters. We are joined, I am with Tim Duckworth, and we are joined by MSPT Venetian champion. That is now how you will be introduced for all of time until you win something bigger <laughs> and better. Jeff Platt, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, thanks for that introduction. I will take that that moniker uh, in the future. Let's let's do it. Have you already handed in your resignation to Poker Go? No, Tim. I have not. I have not. I mean. Fortunately, you have not gotten in the way of my salary negotiation so far with Poker Go, okay. so my day rate's still okay for me, and uh, I would like to continue here. You could actually as a negotiate a higher day rate now, because you could just say, uh, "Look, well, I'm a pretty yeah, good yeah. poker player. I could just quit right now and become a professional." That's a good point. I'll keep that in yeah. mind. Thank you. Thank you. I'll keep. I that get in a five percent agency. No fee. quitting. You guys cannot get rid of me that easily. So, for those of you who have been living under a rock, <laughs> Jeff won MSPT Venetian two days ago. 470 entries in the field, which honestly feels a little bit small for an MSPT Venetian, only because I feel like they get like 1,500 runners all the time. But yeah, nonetheless, it was, a, it was Jeff- a 500k guarantee, and like technically they fell short 47k oh, okay. wow. um, with rake and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so nice little overlay there. Dang. Too. Well, there you go. Jeff won 100,804 dollars. Biggest score ever? No, the fourth no. place finish of the WSP was the biggest? Yes, yes, and fourth place at the the double stack last year, don't mean to brag. Also, Donnie made day six of the main oh back God. in uh, 2015 go. for a little bit more than what this score was for. I always, so speaking of the main, just quickly, I'm always like, when I look people up, you know, I'm like, oh, this guy finished like 100th, and I'm like, oh, he cashed for 60K. I'm like, that feels like so, because... <laughs> yeah. Having been around the main for so long, I know how grueling it huh. is to get to like a hundredth place. Then I'm like, you only cash for sixty k. Right. I understand it's six times you're buying; it's yeah. a really good payday. But it's like they played for like you know four weeks. I feel like yeah. <laughs> and in the most draining that. poker tournament in the yeah, world. It's just yeah. it's just crazy. Was this one draining? Yeah, it, it was. I, I was pretty tired by the end of it, even though it's a relatively quick tournament. And I had a day off in between day one a and. And day two, I think day two, we started at 11 a.m. and we we're probably done by uh, 9 p.m. Venetians switched their tournament structures so there are no dinner breaks. You just play Good. straight through with 15 minute breaks every three levels, which I, I personally like a dinner break. I understand why some people just want the days to I be hate shorter. It. Yeah, I, know, but, I, I knew that but was coming. Yeah. You have to have like some sort of options around, some sort of quick food. Like just options. quick. Something, yeah. just, but just you can order food at the table. Right? Yeah, but I don't. From Grand Locks. Yeah, but you I, can, I don't. You can. It's just. It's. I feel like it's inconvenient, and you're messing with the guy next to you, and then it's a little dirty. I mean, it depends my, what you order. This is right. my biggest gripe with the win. I was playing this weekend. We get to like we're through the sixth level, and they didn't have a dinner break. They just had a short break, and it was a ten minute break, which is like too short to walk anywhere. I agree, ten minutes. And too short. my my gripe with the win is that you play the poker at Encore. The place to get food during the day is it's this little win. cafe mm-hmm. called Espresso which closes at like 5 p.m. <laughs> then there's a sign outside that says, hey, visit the cafe, which is over at the wind side. If you walk all the way through, it's like across from Allegro. First of all, that cafe is closed because it's being remodeled. So take that sign down and don't put yeah. it up ever again um, <laughs> until it's done. Second of all, have you ever walked from Encore to the wind? It takes more than 10 minutes. So <laughs> right, I, we right. need a longer break, okay? And I just want, like, I just want like, a, like a bag of nuts, a cup of fruit. Like I don't want to eat like something from, what's it, Wazoo or whatever. The, but the can't you Asian go to the convenience store? And get a bag of nuts or chips or something. Yeah, but the convenience store I think is much higher priced. And you're playing a six hundred dollar tournament. What's a twelve dollar bag? Yeah, of nuts? I penny pinch elsewhere. Oh my god, <laughs> this is how this, this is how we do I, it. What I, are you I talking? I about? love playing poker tournaments at the win. Obviously, I mean their structures are amazing. The dealers are great. The floor staff's incredible. It's just a really nice area to play in. But it's it's my least favorite as far as like 
food options. I mean, you know this, Tim, for me, energy drink options like we mm-hmm. talked about on the podcast last time. And at the win specifically, I would certainly really like to have a dinner break because I just need a little bit more time yeah. to get out and get some like real food. I always felt like the win lacked store. something as simple as just like a, a pizza place. Yeah. On that encore side. Just something like quick and convenient Super like quick, Aria has, place. Venetian yeah. has. It's the only downside I have with the win. Well, good thing we're not here to talk about the win. We're here to talk <laughs> about Venetian. We're talking about our win. This is a bit of a special episode. We're not going to really talk about any new stuff. This is just going to be about Jeff. No and family his tournament pot? victory. No family pot. Oh, wow. Tim, we're going to do okay? another. We'll just leave right now. We're going to do, do another to episode this week, and Tim can get all the family <laughs> okay. pot crap in that he wants to. The first question I have for you, Jeff how many entries did you fire? One. Love it. And and on that lovely first bullet, I got the chips in with nines versus aces. Maybe in level two, I got 30 bigs in with nines against aces and just nine on the flop. How did it, how did it get in? Uh, raise, I raised an early position, button flatted, small blind three bet. And I started the hand with about 30 bigs, maybe 35. And I just went rip city with the nines. A capable yeah. player in the small blind too. And the, is that GTO approved? Yeah, uh, the flat yeah. makes it interesting. The flat yeah, in between because it it's like kind of weird. Yeah, flats. Yeah, the flat. The flat is is a little weird, I guess. And then the, I think that the small blind squeezing range should be um, relatively wide to make that nine shove basically all day profitable. And I mean, it's extra profitable when you just hit a nine. <laughs> I mean that helps, yes. I was listening to the Cracking Aces podcast on my way in. Okay. You know, being the good host that I am doing my of course, research. That's some prep, yeah. That's um nice. Mincy said nines always come off. Yeah. I, honestly I I was like, you know what? Actually I think they do. Because yeah. I played a tournament, I had, went all in with nines over the weekend and I hit a fucking set too. I'm like, yeah, the nines always come off. Like, and then another on, time Mincy. I had nines I folded, nine came off. It was <laughs> okay, like, so play nines every time. Play Got nines. It. Nines are just, the, that's the thing to do, you know? Come on, so. Mincy, that's ridiculous. Oh, then again, yeah, I did spike a nine against aces, and okay, yeah, maybe it works. Was that was that player upset? No, he, he took it He took it very, very well. The small blind had aces, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. You had a tough starting table, right? Didn't you have, I think, our friend Ben, didn't you also have Elvis? Oh, yeah, Elvis yeah, 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 yeah. Ben Ludlow was there. Um, to my left, it's funny, was originally somebody I didn't know that person busted or was moved, and then Christina Gollins oh, sat there, and then she busted, and then her boyfriend Elvis Tumas sat there, yeah, and then he busted, and to Ben's left, I know Dan Sepial came into that seat a little bit later in the day, um, but to his left at the beginning of the day, I don't know, I've forgotten by now. It well, feels like it was so long ago. I'm right, yeah, yeah, but okay. So you finished day one with 321,000 chips and your fifth place yeah. in chips of, of that day one. A. Right, right, right. 15, right. Smaller 15, flight on day one. A. Yeah, 15 players advanced. Um, I mean, I saw on an Instagram story, which I believe was from Christina Gollins, and then you like reshared it, but you were bagging chips, yeah. and you made the comment that like you hadn't bagged chips in forever. Yeah. Do you remember the last time you bagged chips? Well, like, well, yes, yes. It was that World Series 3K, which was, I think, towards the beginning of the World Series. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. So that would be, what, the first week-ish Week so, of, yeah. of June, and we're in September now. So yeah, June, 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 August, September. Yeah, that's a good... That's a good three months without bagging. I didn't play many multi-day events at the WSOP, but like I've played an okay amount of Venetian events 
since then or uh i went to florida for wpt not wpt sorry that was the Seminole hard rock poker showdown there whatever it's called uh didn't bag anything there and so yeah it had been a while since sounds like you were due for a i think i was due uh, yeah, to put some sounds chips fair. in the bag so i went through the poker news live reporting of this event and i kind of just looked at every single hand that you played okay so i'm gonna ask you about a lot of them oh let's do it yeah so first one that they have is you have King Queen of Hearts against uh, Rob Wazwaz's King Jack, which is, seems like a pretty standard hand. You flat and open, check back the turn on a King Eight Five Ace board, and then you snap him off on the river, um, which you know you obviously have the better kicker, but that that seems pretty standard there. I think so. The only note that I would make there is based on the starting stacks. I think he had like twenty-five to thirty bigs. I'm in a really unfortunate spot if I three bet there with the king queen suited and then he shoves and it's just ugly. Like I just probably have to fold such a pretty hand. So I like to use king queen off suit as a three bet bluff pre flop and king queen suited to mostly just call. I mean, you know, obviously that you adjust for certain players and whatever, yeah. but I thought that um, pre flop that, that was that, right with that yeah. strategy. And just so the listeners out there know, uh, Wazwaz opened in the cutoff to a hundred, or sorry, to a thousand, which was two and a half times the big blind. Jeff flatted on the button. King eight five two spades one heart flop. The one heart does matter. Jeff did mm-hmm. have the king queen of hearts. Uh, Wazwaz bet one k. Jeff called ace on the turn. Uh, Wazwaz checked. Jeff checks behind. Ace pairs the board on the river. Wazwaz leads out thirty four hundred. Jeff snaps him off. I mean, it's pretty standard spot from Jeff here. I don't think you ever think about leading right. the turn. After each well, I'm in position. Oh, about betting the turn? Yeah, betting the um, turn. No, I just don't think that that's productive at all. I think his worst hands fold, for the most part. Like, King Jack exactly is sure would, would call there. Um, and then his better hands continue. So I don't see, again, the the point, really, of, of betting turn. I don't really need protection for my specific hand. It's King-Queen on King-8-5-Ace. Um, so I can keep some of his weird river bluffs in. And you want uh, to keep like back on turn tens, nines, jacks, yeah. like all that stuff in there as well. Which which all would have to fold to a turn bet. Yeah, most likely. So, pretty standard hand there. Then you win a hand, or no, sorry, you lose a hand to Nippon Java. Um, so there's a limp in early position. You race to 3400 in the hijack. Java uh, calls from the big blind. Limper calls as well. Queen seven six with two clubs on the flop. Action checks to you. You bet 3400. Um, which at this point is about one-third of the pot. Uh, Java calls, the other player folds, turns the king of clubs, bringing in the flush draw. Mm-hmm. Java checks, you bet 8,700. Mm-hmm. He calls, uh, rivers a five of diamonds, completes the board, and he leads 21,000, you think, and you fold. Do you remember what you had there? Yes, I had the ace-10 offsuit. Um, and if he, let's see, let me just pull that up. I know you just said it, but just so I can visualize it. So, yeah, I had, I had ace-10 off. Okay. Um, and so, pre-flop thought process was with the limper there. I think always I, attack. Yeah, yeah. I think especially attack with those these limpers. Kinds of hands, like with the ace high hands. Like if I had like five seven suited or something, I'd probably just call also. But a hand like ace ten, I think you went to ISO and go. I, w- I think I went. What blinds were probably five hundred one k then, right? Yeah. So I went. I went three and a half x. Um, and I think that flop I can continue and it just just kind of goes fold fold a decent amount of the time um, when Java calls on flop 
and the turn is a king. That's a really good card for my range. Also, it gives me a hint of equity. I guess you could argue, you know, as as Brent Hanks would say, like, take the equity to the dome. I just think in that specific spot, I don't. I just have a, a little it's bit. It's very small equity, equity that yeah. I, I don't think you need to check behind to save your equity because it's just so. Yeah, right, right. You're chasing it's so the gutter. Small. It's I mean, so if small. you have, if you have, because there's three clubs on the board. If you have the ace or the ten of clubs, it might be different because your equity goes up to a flush, but or goes increases with the flush draw as well. Um, but if you're just drawing to just the gutter for Broadway, I mean, just just bet it's a good card what, for your hand like you said the the turn um brought a third club yeah i'm pretty sure that's not right oh, the, the shocker, way i'm remembering this hand <laughs> you, guys, you guys are waiting for me to say that <laughs> so i i do not think there were three clubs on the turn i uh, in fact i'm like 99.9 percent sure um so that king again really good card for my range because i would be raising pre with a ton of different kings and also on flop, I'm trying to bet like King Jack, King Ten, just trying to fold out a lot of hands. And then when I do spike a king there, I do want to bet for um, for some real value there. So I think that's a perfect spot for me to fire again. Would it be safe to assume a big river bet was coming if Napoleon checked? Yeah. 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 It Bombs really would away, be. baby. It really would be. He bets so much that you can't even like jam bluff either. Because like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like occasionally. Um, Sure, he has pocket sevens or pocket sixes, and he checks, and I go huge, and I just lose, right? Like, that just happens on occasion. Um, we know he doesn't have queens. We know he doesn't have ace-queen. We know he doesn't have ace-king. We know he doesn't have kings. We know he doesn't have aces. You know, all this being said, most likely. Um, so I, I can just really, really attack in that spot. It, does it do you, remind me of the sizing that I used on the turn? Uh, 8,700. Into what's this nine? Maybe 18, like fifteen thousand. Yeah. Maybe like half pot. Probably forty percent pot. Yeah. Okay. 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 So yeah, I, I would have just gone um, pretty big on the river. I mean, it's. I think it's pretty hard for him to um, continue with eight nine twice. Um, although I. I think he calls yeah yeah i i don't know i long story short I'm, I'm going big on the river yeah well you get some revenge on him a little while later uh, oh, yeah, that's an interesting he, one. oh it is okay uh blinds are blinds go up to to 1k 1500 uh java opens to 3500 under the gun u3 bet from the small blind to 13k java calls flop is 10 10 9 two spades hopefully that's right um, that's right. You lead out pr- uh, pretty small here. Um, what's this? One four about one fourth yeah, pot. Seven yeah, yeah. uh, k. Uh, Java sticks around. Jack is on the turn. You bet seventeen k, and he releases his hand. I think you're pure value here. Okay, Tim. Tim doesn't know how to play poker. <laughs> I don't know. This is seven cards. Tim's stud. like, I'm well, gonna... you three bet, so you had to have kings or aces. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Maybe uh, I don't know. I'm gonna say pocket queens. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was value. I had ace jack offsuit. Um, so I think the three bet uh, pre flop, if I remember, we're just like seven handed at this point. So three bet a UTG seven open with ace jack off, I think totally fine. Um, I think I need to be leading on that kind of flop. I did have the ace of spades. I had ace of spades, jack of clubs, if I remember correctly. So I just think. I'm leading on 10 to 9, two spades a lot, and I'm leading uh, small for the majority of the time. 
Uh, and he's also continuing just a ton of his range. He's not not folding that often, which is maybe an argument. You um, lead like quarter quarter pot. Yeah. And if you're saying he's going to continue with a yeah, lot no, of hands, shouldn't you size up then? And, and like I'm saying, that's probably an argument to go bigger. But but having those like backdoor draws also would probably allow me to go big on a lot of different turn cards as well. And then he starts to fold out a huge portion of that range mm-hmm. that he continues with um, on the flop. So I, I thought small was best. If I had like ace-king offsuit, um, or maybe, maybe that's a bad example. Ace-king, maybe I'd just check. But if I had a... Uh, I don't know some 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 other aces in there like maybe ace five suited stuff like that. Maybe I could check. Uh, maybe I could check like um, eights or those types of hands. Um, I'm not sure, but you could you could go bigger with different hands. I just thought I see a lot of good turn cards, including um, the jack, which it, which is an interesting turn card. Like it, it's not like I had the nuts or anything mm-hmm. at this point, right? Um, he continues with a lot of the the king queens um you know he just has he has an okay amount of tens i would think i bet is this card like kind of better for his range than yours i don't know um i don't know cuz I, I mean i three bet a, a lot out of the small blind with hands like king jack offsuit king queen offsuit ace queen offsuit or suited um i think you can make an argument it's, it's good for for both of our ranges uh, and then, so I decide to lead. What's that like? Probably one third or something. Um, but I, I, I didn't know on on sizing. I was pretty confused in the moment, and I'm still confused now. I meant to look at that <laughs> hand, uh, before I. Um, I'm wondering how how do you think you're perceived by other players, specifically players like a java who plays a lot as experienced you know, do they just look at you and say like oh this is the commentator who's just like you know probably out here having some fun i i feel like i i am the same when i play yeah like people know me and recognize me sure. or whatever but i know that like behind the scenes and i know this about you like you're studying you're learning you're trying to get better you play a lot so you're not just like oh i'm, I'm thinking i'm gonna go play poker today yeah, like, you know right, right, but right. i would do they think that you're that person and they're they try and do some weird things like maybe java's just just like I'm just gonna call, and then I'm gonna call the flop just because like he's gonna shut down on the turn. I'll just take right, it away. Like, you know, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's it's a great question. I think most people perceive me as yeah, just the commentator guy, um, and a decent amount of pros probably look at me that way. Java specifically, I know that he knows that I like put work in outside of. Got it. Outside of I will say work. for the audience out there, I, when I see a poker pro at the table, I fucking look down on them. So I'm like, you're just an idiot poker pro. <laughs> you're, pro- you're probably in a bazillion dollars in makeup, and I really don't fucking care. Let's go. Uh, there, there are some <laughs> players who sit down where, like, you know, their name may be recognizable and they may have put up results, but you're like, yes, this is like, like actually. Yeah. Really do, do you think that's sure. good when you sit down that you're perceived in that manner, or would you prefer to be perceived more like you know, a way better player than you may be? Um, that's a good. That's a good question. I've I've never. I've never really thought about it. I think it helps me in, in certain scenarios where, like, I overbet bluff and like, oh, the commentator will never overbet bluff. But maybe it hurts me in spots that I'm like overbetting with my value hands, and they they think the same thing in fold. So I I think I think I like the the overall perception in these four hundreds, six hundreds, one. I think you have to be. You have to be aware of how you're being perceived. Yeah, like mm-hmm. if you if you aren't aware, 
Like, like there's a lot of players. Out, I mean, I guess uh, Vanessa Selves is the one that comes to mind. Like, she's perceived as like a crazy player. Sure. Gus Hansen was always perceived as like a crazy player. On the flip side, Alan Kessler is perceived like a super tight knit. Right. If Alan Kessler showed up tomorrow and just played like a maniac, people would be like, "What the hell is going <laughs> right, on?" Right, yeah. Right. Like that's what he, if Alan Kessler like the best thing for his career is like if he just started playing like loose aggressive, just like a maniac out there. People would be like, I have no idea. This is not, he must just have aces every hand. This is insane. Like, what's going on? But, like, does he know that he's just like mega knit? Like, you know <laughs> right, what I mean? Like, right. so if you, if people kind of, if you know how people are perceiving you, then you can use that to your advantage. But if you're just completely unaware, then you're probably going to get yourself in a lot of spots. I thought there was a pro at my table in a satellite I played over the weekend, and I thought that he perceived me as extremely tight, which at the time I was playing very tight because, one, it was a satellite. Two, I had, like, 12 big blinds. Like, what the hell am I going to do? But I ended up three-bet jamming on him with with, uh, Jack Tennis Page, which was, like, the stone bottom of my range, and I kind of even thought that it was out of line, but I did it anyway. Um, And he was like, oh, you've been so tight. But, like, you know, and I was like, like, there we go. Okay, well please fold your ace 10, like you, know, <laughs> like, you know? So, yeah, he's like, well, I have a really good hand. Like, he hemmed and hawed forever, and, like, he finally folded, and I was like, okay, fine. Like, good. Yeah, it works. The way I'd, like to s- I'd like to see how Hanks approaches this, because he's such an obvious goofball yeah. on commentary. But yeah, I but doubt he actually, plays like that at all. If you actually listen to Hanks, he's really fucking smart at poker. Well, yeah, right? but that, he, 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 that's, his, that's his, you know, act, his gimmick is to have fun you know, with you, and I think it kind of, compared to, you know, Nick, who's so much more serious. and Like with Hanks, honestly, half the time I listen to him on commentary, and I'm like, why aren't you playing more poker? Yeah, I think that all the time, I'm like, man, dude, what, like, huh? Like, yeah. don't you need to get away from the wife and kids? Like, <laughs> get out of the house? You he, know? he can't afford to lose money when you've got nine kids running <laughs> yeah, around the house. Sure. <laughs> no, you you have to go make more money than when yeah, you have nine kids running around the house. So after this hand, that hand with Java, um, Poker News has you at 87,000, and then the next update, they have you at 147,000. So is there anything notable that happened in the middle there, or was it just slowly chipping up? I don't think so. I don't think so. I I do kind of remember going on a a mini rush of sorts and having some value hands and getting paid off and getting, like, one bluff through. But I'm pretty sure there were no notable hands in that that little run. Now, speaking of pocket nines, you play this hand against Carlton Peake. Yes. Uh, you have pocket nines. Yes. Um, you open in early position to 5K, which at the time is uh, two big blinds, so mm-hmm. just a min raise. Uh, peak defense from the big blind. It comes ace, 10, 7, two hearts. Peak checks. You bet a min bet of 2,500. Min bet, I think, is severely underutilized in live poker, and yeah. people just think you're like just clicking buttons, yeah. but I think it's great. Um, I mean, this is it. I think this is a good flop for you. Um, so, I, I mean, I like your play. Yeah, I'm mid-mid. raising an early position, and it comes like ace, kind of mid-mid, two suits. I think it's just like I'm always going to go small here, and I know that this player specifically, Carlton, will continue with uh, an insane amount of hands, maybe even some weird hands that he should be folding. Um, so I, I think I think min-bet's fine here. So now the turn's a nine. Mm-hmm. Shout out Mincy, nine comes, yeah, nine, of course. Yeah, nine does peel. Mm-hmm. Now Peak just leads out yeah. for 10K, which always love the you know call, then lead. I'm just like, I don't have no idea really what's going on half the time. Um, you just call. You have you now have a set mm-hmm. of nines. Uh, the river is the eight of diamonds. So there was a flush draw on the flop. The flush draw misses. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a four-card straight on board now. Again, it's ace, 10, 7, 9, 8. Um, he bets 26,000, which is like, what, 40% of the pot or so? You 
instantly call, mm -hmm. they say, and he turns over the old five deuce of hearts for five high missed flush draw. You have pocket nines, you win with your setter nines, and off you go. Yeah, off we go. I mean, it pretty, you know, I had the nine of hearts in my hand, which is like not great. You want to have no hearts, of course, because then it's more likely for your opponent to have that that missed flush draw. But I mean, other than that, I think it's 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 a pretty standard spot to to just call. I think this player would even lead with like his ten sevens, his ten eights. Um, you know, maybe has pocket sevens here and there. All of his acex that are two pair combos, and then and then all of his bluffs, like all of his hearts. And you know, sometimes you get shown the the jack eight or whatever, or the uh, the queen jack, and they have it. And I think he would have just checked with a six the bottom end of the straight. So it, it's a pretty comfortable call there for me. Yeah, I think that, like, his lead on the turn, I would probably rule out a lot of the jacks. Like, like if he's got a pair and now an open ender or, or yeah. now some sort of straight draw like on the jack turn. like jack seven or jack ten. Like, I, I don't something. think he's just going to lead with it. I agree. You know, so, so yeah, so that's that's tricky there. Um, or he tried to get tricky there. So then after this hand, um, it says you got up about 150K. Um, no more updates to the rest of the day, which is fine, but then you bag 321K, so anything notable happened like at the end of the day? Was it um, just a rush of cards? That's a good question. I, I kind of think, I'm just scrolling back in my text to see if I uh, if I missed anything. I, I, again, think that it was relatively smooth. I, I definitely um, did not play any pots where we got all the chips in, so there was... There were no massive pots. You know, at that point, we we're still very, very deep. Um, and, yeah, I just think it was a pretty smooth ride. I had a pretty good table draw overall and was just able to uh, to accumulate some chips um, in, in relatively rapid fashion. I mean, it's over the course of probably three levels since that hand. But it was it was a good good close to the night. So you finished day one a fourth in chips. Fifteen players are advancing. One hundred and thirty entries played on that day. And sorry to cut you off. I do uh, I do have one yeah, fairly interesting hand. Um, I think this is when blinds are two k. So hold, I got to ask yeah. you, where, like, where are you getting these hands from? Um, texting friends. Yeah, I'm texting. So when I play, I literally write down pretty much every significant hand I play in a notepad. Oh, I like that like a lot. A, like a physical like notepad? What do you mean? Oh, like on, on my phone. phone. Okay. I mean, I'll show you like what it looks like. I'll show you. I won't show Jeffy's on the other side of the table. I'll show him after. But like this. This is from the satellite. Yeah, like a notes up. Okay. And I, I do it there for a couple reasons. One, I want to be able to review stuff after. Like, uh, you know, I'll go yeah. home and I'll yeah. sit down. And I'll just be like, well, I fucked that one up. I screwed that one up. This one, yeah, I look like an idiot, whatever. You know, but then also like just quickly copy and paste, send it to people. Hey, can you look at this, whatever, that sort of stuff. Um, so I have two hands actually. So first one blinds are fifteen hundred three k. This is about when I had one hundred fifty k or so. We're seven handed. I raise king seven of spades under the gun. Just a min raise to six k. Um, that Dan Bekovac is to my left. Yeah. Uh, he's a four time MSPT champion by the way. King seven of spades is a little feels a little loosey. It's a little, but it's bottom. <laughs> it's bottom. It's in there. It's in there. And I am a uh, sucker. Absolute yeah. sucker. For suited kings, yeah, like, I don't yeah. know why. It's honestly, it's just like the way they look. I'm yeah. just like, let's fucking. Well, go. so are the big guys, right? <laughs> that we see, uh, you know, in our mm -hmm. high rollers, like they open with these hands a lot, a lot. Yeah, that's a, that's something that I've I've become aware of through talking with people that are much better than me at poker. 
and I don't really like to share some of that information out there in the public. So thanks for putting that out. There. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to tell tell the Donnie's people. It from some everybody. of the people that tell <laughs> sometimes people tell me things and they're like, "Don't don't put this out there. Like this isn't well known." Uh, well, the, I just want it to be known that Jeff up. put the stuff out there and up. not me. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so I'm raising King Seven under the gun before seven handed, eight handed, or nine handed. Just FYI, but it's, it, this is seven handed. I raise uh, Dan to my left calls the cutoff, who is short, who has like ten bigs calls, which is kind of weird. Big blind calls as well, um, and that was Carlton, the same player that we played against. So last big time. blind could literally have it, two napkins. Yeah, like anything. Yeah. No idea Although, what the cutoff is doing. And I, I don't know if this is revealing another one of your no, secrets, um, but I think. People certainly overcall in that spot multi-way in the big blind because it's like the old adage of, oh, the pot odds, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, this that's was me. This I, was, I, I overcall big blind Oh, that surprised me that you would call anything. I, I mean, I go back and forth. It, it's it's on, It's like when, it's funny because, like, the more you learn about poker, the more the the, the answer to all the questions is, like, it depends. Like, yeah, it's yeah, always It's all. It's, it's, it's so that's frustrating because, yeah. like, I went through a time when I was overcalling a lot from the big blind. That mm-hmm. was something that I had to like overcome and work past. But n- now, like, if I have like fifty big blinds, I fucking just call like yeah. I, whatever. Like, let's yeah. go, you know. Like, you, but if you, I have like twenty big blinds, then it's way different, you know. So right. you have to and you have you to really adjust. like a queen. You also just think like you know who are the players that are playing against? Sure. What's going to happen? Like you know that sort of stuff. Do you remember that time we were at our friend Ben's house and we were looking through Petrangelo's cost of like defending the big blind, and it came up with the whole graph of like what hands to call and it was literally every hand. Do you remember that? Yeah, but was that was that it was against no, a single pre raiser? Single, 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 I think it was a single yeah. button raise. Like multi-way yeah. things just are yeah, really hard to play. Yeah, of course they changed. I remember seeing that and I was like, "Oh yeah, but okay, I'll and defend every defend big button against just a button raise." That, uh, yeah, I'll just do it every yeah. time. I mean, if it's if it's if I have like 25 big blinds plus and it's just a single raiser, I will defend fucking pretty much anything. Yeah. Like except yeah. like the abs- like if I have seven dudes off, I'll probably fold, but like you know, and then you get the showdown. Sometimes people are like, "What the? What are you doing?" It's yeah. like, "Dude, you min race." Like, what? <laughs> you yeah. know, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we have four players going to this flop of ten, three, deuce, two spades. I have the king, seven of spades. Uh, it it checks around here. I know that uh, Dan to my left is super aggressive. I know that's a lot of leads will get raised, and I don't necessarily want to inflate the pot. Also, I'm pretty dis- my hand is going to be pretty disguised if the spade does come in. Um, so we do we do check around and the turn is that lovely five of spades, big blind checks. Well, do you know which it was ten three deuce? Do you know which ones were the spades? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the the ten of spades and the three of spades, ten three deuce so five. So ace, now ace deuce spades. of spades is still possible. Yeah, still a yeah. possibility. Um, big blind checks. I check again, knowing that this player to my left is just itching to blast off, um, and he does fire ten k. The cutoff that short stack he folded now. The big blind, and all three of us are pretty deep at this point, 50 or 60 bigs. The big blind makes it 30K, which is fantastic, as I'm sitting there, again, with the king high flush, which is great. And I have this maniac to my left who has bet, and the big blind has raised to 30K. So I just call. I think there's a chance that Dan to my left could go absolutely bananas and and ballistic, Um Sure, somebody could just have the ace of spades and a spade could roll off on the river. If somebody has the ace of flush, I'm beat anyway. You know, might as well keep all the bluffs in, the weird hands in, the smaller flushes in. Um, so I, I just call Dan Folds. The river is the four of diamonds. So it's 10, 3, deuce, 5, 4. So the one-liner to the straight is out there. He checks. 
I went back and forth on this in the moment, and I go back and forth, I guess, now with you guys because I still just don't really know. My initial thought was that this player can put me on a lot of just that naked ace of spades, and you know maybe my straight comes in, and so I didn't think that I could could bet big there. I'm always looking for excuses to to overbet in these types of situations. I ended up going about half pot, about forty five thousand. Um, he called, and he was the one who had the ace of spades. Um, so I'm not sure if you know the argument should be made for going pretty ham there because I, I, should not I probably have would have sixes. bet like 25 me go small small yeah I just I mean I don't know the player in the big blind sure <clears throat> um, I just I think when people at like these types of price points take a line like he did checking the flop then check raising turn and then checking the river like I don't think he's really that interested in like calling mm-hmm, too much mm-hmm. like I think you need to make these players find more reasons for them to call. Like I could even see him taking this line with a flush, like a smaller flush, which is harder for him to have, of course, because right, you right. have a flush. But that said, like if you just bomb the river like all in, it makes an excuse for him to fold in yeah. a way. Like, oh, like my tournament life is on the line. Do I really want to go nuts with eight, nine of spades? Like, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. So I would probably just try and lock up some value and go smaller there, yeah. given his line. Um, but, but I think you kind of achieved that although our, our yeah i did that it's just our definition yeah. of smaller in that yeah. moment was different so that was on the very low end of sizing for me part of me was like well he knows i shouldn't really have any sixes here so i maybe. have no idea by the way what your hand looks like it's like it's it's really like weird you have like you have like the jack 10 with the jack of spades like I, yeah maybe like, I stuff like that i have no like pocket five like if exactly. you have, if you have ace 10 with the ace of spades yeah. i think you bet the flop like do, do yeah, you, like, yeah. You, I need so to do you have that like do you have queen ten with the queen of spades? Like yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. what's the chance of this guy like check jamming the river though? Because that's I've been like online yeah, being betting really small, yeah, or really big, like not not that half pot size to and betting small with the value hands, hoping maybe someone just just jams it on me, thinking I can't have this particular holding. But I'm not sure how capable that opponent is. If you bet like the 25k. Right. He's likely to maybe just put you all in. Or... I think he has to be a very good player to take that line in the spot. Yeah. I guess, and then a lot of those bluffs have the ace of spades in them, which made the straight. So it's like, why do I need to chef here? I'll just just flick. Yeah, but he could be doing, you know, like a, the value play with that, right? Chef for value with no. The he ace? might be checking, hoping you bet to then ch- check jam with even if with the ace of spades as a value. Well, that uh, I, that'd be pretty thin, I think, because then once he does that, then then it's just. My better hands call and my worse hands fold, right? Hmm. What, what if like he were to check raise river with the low end of the straight? So if I had a flush, I'd call. And if I had anything worse than the straight, I would just fold. So I don't see what that is accomplishing, you know, when he jams river there, if he were to jam yeah. river. So then you, had, you said you had a second yeah, hand? Yeah, one more hand. Um, the hijack, this is at 2K, 4K. I'm pretty deep. I, I think. Do you know how many people were left at this point? Um, yes, there were 18 left, and okay. 15 made day two, and so 15 make the money. Um, the hijack. His name is Josh. Maybe Reichard. Josh Reichard. Okay, he's like an MSPT guy. Like plays he's a, a lot he's of a these. I think. Really good friend with Mo Noir. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so, cool, cool. Yeah. Okay. So but he play, is, he plays he's a, a really of, good player. He, yeah. So he's, I knew he's good, yeah. I knew he was a super capable player. Uh, he min race take. Okay, I defend in the big blind with the jack eight of diamonds. Pretty standard. Um, the flop comes jack 
of spades, seven of spades, four of clubs. So jack, seven, four with two clubs. I check. Uh, he checks back, which is interesting. The turn was the eight of clubs, so I make top two. Um, so jack of spades, seven of spades, four of clubs, eight of clubs. I think I lead a decent amount here. Actually, I think I lead with my spades. I think I lead with my clubs. I think I can lead with a lot of hands with like a six or a nine or a ten in there. Um, I just have a pretty wide range. So I went two-thirds pot. I bet 11K. Uh, he called. The river was the seven of diamonds. So the flush draws do not come in. It's jack, seven, four, eight, seven. I lead 19K. He raises to 60K. I feel like, you know, yeah, sure. Of what course, do you I have? have two. I have jack eight. Okay. I have two, so, of course, I have two pair. But also, I remember, I have the jack eight of diamonds. So I don't have a club in my hand. I don't have a spade in my hand. I don't have a nine in my hand. I don't have a 10 in my hand. I just feel like I can call pretty easily because I'm, you know, unblocking a lot of his bluffs. Um, that maybe turns like, you know, he, he misses spades or misses clubs or he has a nine in his hand or he has a 10 in his hand and blasts off. And so I called and he showed queen 10. Um, I was going to say, this seems like a, like a queen 10, queen nine-ish type hand. Yeah, which I think is smart by like, you know. And I think this is a spot where for me, if, if I'm in Jeff's shoes, I think, this is a very good player, so I have to kind of call just because yeah. I know he's so good yeah. and he can yeah. do so many things. But like, if it's just some guy I don't know who I'm perceiving older as a guy, really tight, really I'm like, tight. yeah, he probably yeah, just, just has quad yeah. sevens. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, like you know. But here I'm like, he could have anything. Right. Like I mean, so yeah. But yeah, I mean that's good. I mean ten, ten, eight. You block, and he probably just calls the river. Cause right, he right. He's just value, too so good yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if he has. If he has ten nine or five six here, I mean, fuck. yeah, cool, cool. But what are you yeah, gonna do? Kind of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Yeah, that was good. So that got us to the end of day one. Yeah. So you bag up fourth and chips, fifth here and me, and the thirty eight players advance from one B. Uh, that's fifty three players total going to day two. You're ninth in chips overall. You know, at this point, like, how are you feeling going into day two? You got a pretty good opportunity ahead of yourself. You know, you got good chips. Again, you're ninth overall, 53 remaining. Everyone's in the money at this point. You know, just what's your mindset? Feel good? Yeah, I felt really good, and I knew we were coming back pretty deep. We still had 30 minutes left at the 2,500, 5K level, so that means, like, I started the day with, like, 60, 65 big blinds, so... I just felt really comfortable. I mean, and like I do almost every day, you know, I study some some spots, watch some videos, watch some streams, and I was just like fired up. I was gonna, to go I was to gonna ask how you how do you prepare for like the next well, day of a multi day tournament? Yeah, so on that day off, I would say maybe I did a little more studying than usual. Um, subscribed to a couple of different training sites and and watched a couple of of different videos on those sites. And then the morning of, I usually have a pretty consistent routine revolving around you know waking up getting a little bit of studying in getting a workout in um having the same breakfast every single time and then going to the casino to try to make some magic happen i tend to not eat when i play poker okay like you don't eat before you leave like i just i don't i will probably won't eat at all like that whole those really i'm just like he wants that 12 (laughs) dollar bag of nuts (laughs) I mean, th- there's times in like in a pinch I'll have something. Well, the thing with with when I was win, I usually do bring some things, but I yeah. leave them in my car, okay. and 
it's just the ten minute break at the win in this specific tournament. Just, Fifteen, he, I can make it back. When he just buy a little cooler like Daniel, because I don't like to carry a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's so inconvenient. I I, feel like I actually are you a backpack guy? You just okay, put... the I hate carrying a backpack. The oh, only okay. reason I do it is because it has my laptop in yeah. it, and there, I might need to do something for work. Like because so, stuff comes up, I might yeah. need to fire off an email. I might need yeah. to do something. So I need I just want to have my backpack with me for those reasons. But I generally like don't like being the backpack guy. I, I don't like it. But the only reason I have it is because it has my laptop in it. Yeah. That's the only reason why I have it. Um, how long does it take you to wind down? Like, so after you play a long day of poker, I find it kind of like, I play a long day of poker and you're pretty fucking drained. Sure. You know, like, I, I don't, I think that this isn't talked about a lot, but if you actually sit down and play a tournament or even a cash game session and you're actually trying and you're focusing yeah. hard, it is so exhausting. Like, mm-hmm. you get to the end of the day, you're like, holy... Even, like, the last level, you're, like, falling asleep. Like, I'm like, this is brutal. But then, like, you go home, yeah. and, like, your adrenaline's yeah. pumping, so you, like, yeah. you can't go to sleep. But you know you're super tired, but then I usually, like, sit on the couch for, like, two hours before I finally, like, okay, I gotta go to yeah, bed. Yeah, it's a great point. I think so many people look at poker from the outside looking in, and they're like, well, why are you tired? You just sat there and played yeah. cards all day. But it is so... I mean, if you don't because, do anything, if you just go through the motions, fine. Yeah, yeah, But if yeah. you actually try. And you're thinking about every single spot, yeah. and your brain is working really hard. I'm with you. I'm usually, um, you know, a little bit drained, but just pretty hyped up on adrenaline, especially after you bag chips, and you think you have a real sweat going into day two of a tournament. I'm, I'm probably in the hour to two hours. Like, it's nothing crazy, but I won't be able to go home and, and go straight to sleep or anything like that. Do you review your table draw? Yes, yeah. yes. And I think that's really important. And I, I would preach that to everybody because, you know, a bunch of the time it won't matter if you review it or not, but, but sometimes it will. And you're like, hey, I, I looked this guy up and saw that he always goes ballistic, you know, pre-flop, <laughs> you know, or once he gets down to 30 bigs, he punts it off. Or, you know, I think you can pick up little nuggets here and there. And also on guys who are experienced versus non-experienced and people that you can perhaps pounce on. It won't always you know, work out accurately. There's a chance that you you look up a, a guy or girl and he or she has no results, but that doesn't mean he or she isn't any good, right? Maybe they've been playing online for a lot or just studying or just coming in on the live scene. But a lot of the time it is going to work out and you are going to be able to pick out right away who are the inexperienced players who I can pounce on, who are the better players uh, here at my table. So there's three bigger stacks at your table to start yeah. day two. Which is then... crazy based on, you know, like yeah. you said, I was, what, top 10? Going yeah, your ninth the overall, yeah. and then Christina Gollins is like kind of right behind you. You have three twenty one. She has two eighty two. Um, Joe Cuther is also there. He's yeah. kind of shorter, seventeen bigs, but still he's an experienced player who knows what he's doing. He's not just gonna like be an idiot out mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Um, how'd you feel about the draw itself? Like this, this draw. I felt okay. I mean, like you said, there are a lot of chips on the table, which I guess can be a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. You know, you want those chips to belong to less experienced players and in some cases they did in some cases they did not like you said christina had chips uh pete had chips yeah, i don't remember how to say his last name but he's a really Hanks good goal or something. yes yeah. yes yes yep. he's a really good um experienced player so he had chips so you know you go in and you see joe Cuther's name and you see that he's short so you're like you're just hoping he busts soon and i i so i felt okay going into the day and immediately Seat nine was moved, and about three hands later, Brian Pacioli oh, sat down nice. at the table. Great. So yeah, so he's two to my left, and all of a sudden, like your outlook on the table uh, is is most certainly a, a little bit more negative. But it, it's a good challenge, and I think by now I've played a decent amount of hands 
with Christina because we play a lot of the same tournament. So I, I've gotten to become more familiar with her game, just like she's been able to become more more familiar with mine. So it, that probably you know works out for for both of us uh, in a weird way. So so felt pretty good overall. I mean, you know this because you play a lot of these buy-in levels. For the most part, your table draws are going to be really good. Yeah. You know, sure, yeah. you're going to have one or two Pacholis, Cuthers, whatever, at your table a decent amount of the time. But it's very, very, very rare that you're going to have six of them at your table. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I agree. Um, so the updates have you getting up to like 450K early on, mm-hmm. but there was no hands. It was just some chip count updates. But then you guys hit final 27 players. Um, they have you listed at 370K, so you dipped back a little bit. Um, but final three tables, you do a redraw. Like yeah. anytime you kind of do a redraw, when you get out of that that hard focus that you're in of playing, you can kind of have a chance to think, which yeah. can be good or bad for some players. You know, h- how are you feeling at this point? I felt okay. I think th- the beginning of the day went so well. Like you said, I was up to 450, maybe 500, maybe even a little bit more. And then I ran into one spot. This is just a, a pre-flop decision, so it won't take long to review. Where we're at 4K, 8K. The low jack makes it 24K, so a pretty big sizing. He goes 3X with 150-ish behind. So he's about 20 bigs, a little bit more. I have the ace-jack offsuit in the big blind. Um, it folds around to me. And uh, I jam. Like, I knew, I knew, I know GTO-wise it's, it's right at 20 bigs um, versus a raise from that position to jam. Now, GTO doesn't, like, take into account him raising for a bigger size. Yeah, and I would this sounds like that guy is a recreational player and I would have just called because it's like what what it's first of all I, I would look down at my hand and I'd be like this is effing stupid. Here <laughs> here we go with cuz I probably should jam here. But this guy makes it 3x which yeah. is just ridiculous. He's only got 20 big more. I'm like what is yeah. happening? I'm like he probably has kings like I mean this is just stupid. Yeah, and and I, I, I I'm glad you you brought that up before I could like I think you know first instinct was jam and then second instinct was like there's no reason to go absolutely out of control here and then like this guy this was one of the top chip stacks to start the day and so he had been on a huge downswing throughout the day so like maybe he's a little bit tilted that was his standard opening size to 3x so it's one of those things where i talked myself into it like i gave myself the aforementioned reasons and was like oh well and then gto would say that that's fine um so I did jam, and he snapped me off with ace-queen, and I lost. So I was a little, like, tilted, a little mad at myself after that, a little upset. And it's not like – like, I bet if you looked at ace-jack there with – this is getting into the nitty-gritty too much, but I bet if you looked at it with, like, 25 bigs, it wouldn't even be a shove. Like, maybe it'd be some non-all-in three-betting and some just calling in that spot. So it's not like this was the clear, clear, clear play, and then everything else – should be disregarded. So, yeah, I was a little upset with that. But then, you know, you got to keep reminding yourself, we're deep in a tournament, we're deep on day two. We have a real shot at this thing. I'm very comfortable in this kind of stack size range of, I think right at the redraw, I had like 35 bigs. So I was, I was, I was sitting pretty in my mind. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's still, just knowing how these things go, 35 bigs is still pretty healthy. Yeah, yeah, know. exactly. And like, um, I was texting with my guy Ben Ludlow, who we mentioned, and he said, next goal, 650K for 18 left. And I hate that. I hate chip goals. Like, uh-huh. I just do not think you should ever have a I, chip goal. I get, I will get severely short in these tournaments. Yeah. Like, I will get to like six big blinds. Yeah. And like, if I have to just, like, if there's no spots, if whatever, it's just, 
I, I, I feel like, and, and I think you talked about this a little bit on the Cracking Aces podcast, that people just tend to like freak out with like, it used to be 10 big blinds. Now it's like 20 to 25. People just get there. They see bigger stacks around the table. They look up at the clock. They see the average chip stack. And they're like, oh my God, I got I got to, I got to go all in. Like, it's like, I mean, and I'm on the other side. Same. When I have a lot of chips, I play a lot of hands and I'm active and whatever. But when I'm on the shorter side, like you have to adjust, of course. And, you know, I will just like, I'll be in the big blind with nine big blinds and I'll just fold. And yeah. like, it's Or just, you can just defend like in, yeah. in those spots yeah. with a short stack. I mean, as long as you're, you're fine, you know, like playing post flop or playing with a short stack, understanding your foundation with ranges and that sort of stuff, like you'll, you don't need to freak out. And I think a lot of people freak out. Yeah. The value lot. of your tournament life and stack preservation are just so, so important. And most people just, they get that emotion running through them. They get that panic running through them. I mean, I mean, the guy this. who takes it to the extreme is Phil Hellmuth. Yeah. Like, oh, like, yeah. All, like yeah. to a fault in a way. Like, yeah. he'll, he'll get so short. To a fault. And he'll or, always, yeah. I'm, ne- I'm never all in. I right. stay seven. I've right, never right, been, right, like, right. you know, he goes crazy with it, right? Yeah. There's obviously some sort of blend in the middle. But I remember a couple years ago at the WSOP, it was Sean Deeb was like complimenting Phil Hellmuth on actually. Not because because Deeb was like, listen, a lot of these guys, myself included, coming from the online realm. This is when like the online kids really started to infiltrate the live mm-hmm. realm. Like you know, we get down to fifteen big blinds, we just freak out and we feel like we have to go all in. We're like Phil feels like there's something to it where like you can get down to eight big blinds, seven big blinds, and like you can be all right. Like you can be all right. You know. Yeah, we've seen that from Phil. We've seen that from Kerry Katz, right? Yeah. I mean, he's the king of of stack preservation, and he'll get down to that like four to six big blind level and so you just should never uh, panic as that's much easier said than done but i think that's a really important note of course were you going to ask a question tim no continue okay um so then there's no updates from poker news until you get to the final table redraw fine no big deal um flying under the radar as (laughs) as i would like to say nine people left you redraw you've got eight hundred ten thousand. You obviously went from like whatever three fifty three seventy up to eight hundred ten. What happened? And there? I've got yeah, I've got one hand, kind of in the middle of that. I, I think I was just kind of um, hovering for the most part. But there's one hand with two tables left. I start the hand with three hundred forty k at ten k twenty k. So we have seventeen big blinds, We're seven handed. At this point, I raise ace queen offsuit under the gun. The legend that is David Pham, the dragon, wow. defends in the big blinds. Here we go. This is what dreams are made of, me versus the dragon. <laughs> uh, it comes queen, deuce, three, rainbow, which is I mean, just, beautiful. just, I mean, the absolute dream. Uh, he checks. I bet the men. I bet 20K. I mean, this is this is part of what we were just talking about. Like, I was under 20 bigs. A lot of people would consider that short stack, and they'd be like, oh, he's queen. I'm all in. Um, so queen deuce three rainbow he checks I bet the minimum I bet 20k uh, he makes it 60k which is just beautiful um, <laughs> it's just absolutely beautiful and, and I just call you know like let's just keep all his you hear that barstool Nate you just call yeah you just call just call, just call. Jeff has this this board so locked down locked <laughs> like Locks. If he hasn't beat, I mean, just yeah, good, if he has good luck. Yeah, or like queen three <laughs> suited or something like that. Whatever. I just I'm gonna lose anyway in the long run. Uh, turn was the five of, of hearts, bringing a second heart. So it's queen deuce three five, with two hearts, and he's tanking for about a minute. And so now I'm thinking like, please jam, please jam, please jam, and he does indeed jam. He has like the worst hand. Here. He has I do to call. Well, I I thought so too, be, especially because like I snapped and he's like, oh. 
and goes like this. He had King Queen, so it was, oh, it was really Jesus. just a cooler. Oh, it's just a total cooler. Um, I thought he was gonna have like Jack seven off. seven five or like <laughs> some some absurd hand. <laughs> like he would just be like, "What is Don't happening?" Don't disrespect the dragon, Donny. Uh, oh, I'm just just you know taking out cards. It's harder for him to have a queen in the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so I, I, that was um, that kind of propelled me and, and got me to the the final table. So you get twenty seven big blinds entering the final table of mm-hmm. nine, um, which is kind of like the lower half of the leaderboard because there was three really big stacks. Like guy yeah. had two point eight million, two other guys had two million. Do you have any sort of like plan of attack here? Are you like okay now it's time to worry about ICM more? Are you? Yeah, just because like I think you have to be a little bit more ICM conscious when there are a couple of of pretty short stacks. Like, do you have the stack sizes up there? Like, I want to say there were. One or two that were pretty. Yeah, there short. were one or two that were on the shorter side. Yeah, I don't so, have the stack sizes, but I remember there. So there yeah, were... when you're a middling stack and you have a couple big stacks and a couple super short stacks, unfortunately, and this kind of sucks. Like, you have to play pretty tight um, with the pay gems at stake, and so I, I think that's exactly how we went into this final table. Also on my left was uh, Sergey Kislinski. I think Donnie, we might have talked about this last night at the watch party, but he's a very, very, very good player, and he had a lot of chips. So I was not in a great spot to to try to do a lot except sit there and, and play pretty tight, but open things up in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about Sergey because there's a bunch of hands, or a few yeah. hands with him. Um, I mean, the first one that they have in the updates is you versus him, small blind versus big blind. Okay. <clears throat> You're on the small blind. Folds to you, you limp in. Um, Kislinski checks his option. Ace, 10, 8, flop, rainbow. You lead 40K, which is the min. He raises to 125K. You call. Deuce of spades on the turn brings a second spade. So now it's ace, 10, 8, deuce with two spades. You check. He bets 270K, and you just fold. Do you know what you had there? Um, yeah, so I led for the min. Uh, I think I had 7-6. I think I had 7-6 off. Um, ace, 10, 8... I just, you know, I would lead with some tens, some eights. When he when he just checks, he doesn't have a lot of aces that he's checking back. Of course, um, that's that that can't be right because then I would I probably would have just mucked on the flop with seven six. Um, had some kind of straight draw, so maybe maybe it was jack nine. I I, I don't know. Sorry, this hand is not standing out to me. It's fine. It's um, not that big at right all here. at all. And I just check and fold. I, I have a. What's your play here in the small blind, in the, in these kind of scenarios? Do you try and, you know, with your non-premiums, are you doing this, like limp in, hope he checks behind, stab at every flop? Is that kind of a general yeah, ballpark I'm, I'm, game plan? I'm limping in with kind of those middling hands. Uh, I'm raising with the really good ones and also with my pretty bad suited hands. Uh, and then in the big blind, if somebody would have limped, I would raise with my good ones and my bad offsuit hands. Um, I limp so, a lot the small blind. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, same here. Limp a lot, like like in this spot with Jeff, I might limp like ace nine. Right. But with a hand like ace nine, like I would probably limp jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. So, like if he raises, I'll just rip it. Um, <clears throat> What's your raise sizing though? When I do this, like I'm raising like four X. Go like I think I go. I go off like thirty bigs, like three to three point two at a final table, just probably three. Um, And then if the small blind limps and I'm in the big blind and raise, again not at a final table, just in normal chips play, I'd go more like three and a half. 
X yeah. or something. I mean, it all. But yeah, big, also... big is good out of the small mine. Way too many people like see that the min raise is is going on a lot, and they'll min raise out of the small blind oh, yeah. when it folds around mm-hmm. to them. And that's yeah. something where like big blind, you know, give me seven deuce, and, like <laughs> I, I'll just throw the chips in for sure. Of course, especially when you get position there. That's a really good spot. Yeah. Um. All right. So then we have a hand that is titled "Dim the Lights." Ooh, must be a fun your one. catchphrase. Uh, action folds to you on the button. Have you trademarked this yet? Yeah. No, I've not. We need to make. <laughs> we need to make t-shirts. Yeah, we need t-shirts. I think I was in the cutoff here. Just, just FYI. Whatever. Cutoff button. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, four hundred thirty-five k, which is ten and a half, ten point seven big blinds. Yeah. You rip it in. Ace ten off. Uh, Russell McLean calls from the big blind with King Jack of Diamonds. Um, you flop the the goods, ace, ace, seven. Um, there is a backdoor flush draw for McLean, but Jack of Clubs on the turn eliminates that, and you get the double up here. Yeah. I mean, this is just this it, is It's standard pretty standard. Play. It's a little different just because um, I'm in the cutoff, and I have, like, I, I think at this time I had almost 13 bigs. So I had probably about 520,000 against very small difference. Um like we were talking about earlier, had I had like ace queen suited or ace king off or better, I'd probably just min raise, and then I shove a lot of hands at the twelve to thirteen big blind stack size, ace ten off being one of them. Now he was in the small blind and reshoved for like oh, okay. six hundred or seven hundred k, and there was a super short stack still at the table. So like I thought, okay, good game. There's no way ace ten is good here, and. And then he j- he shows King Jack. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. This I mean, is fantastic. If I have his stack size and yeah. you jam, I mean, I hate having King Jack. I mean, I know like I kind of have to put my money in, but I also am like, but this but is also, like... but if you saw the guy across from you with with like literally three big blinds, yeah. I, mean, yeah, I, I would... think you have to fold. <laughs> it's like such I... a stupid spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's just know. it's dumb. I mean, it sucks. I agree. Like a normal if I if I think universe. that you have an understanding of ICM, then I would fold. Yeah, if I think yeah, you're yeah. just gotcha. you're just gotcha. like you have no idea what's going on, then I'll be like, right. okay, let's go. Right. You probably right. have Jack Ten here or some stupid. <laughs> so <laughs> let's just go nuts. Um, so yeah, so that was interesting. Then uh, there's eight people left, and you eliminate uh, Trey Bartlett in eighth place. Uh, you have oh, eight, with the eight five. You off. have the old <laughs> eight five of clubs against Ace King. Bad beat Central. Listen, <laughs> Bartlett lost a big pot. He doesn't. Ha- he he doubled up Russell McLean. And then a couple hands later, he gets it all in for four point two five big blinds yeah. on the button. I think I joked with you in, in a text message. I said, "Is this GTO yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. approved?" And you're like, "Definitely." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I said, and I think this is right. I don't know. I think I said I have I have a couple folds here. Like I think seven deuce. I probably fold six deuce, eight deuce, eight three, but eight five just the nuts. I mean, eight five is fine i mean yeah you're probably live How in, can a, I lose? in a lot of spots right this is a spot where I, I know it doesn't count in this hand because he does have ace king but where i think people that if they lose a big hand like bartlett did and then they're just on the button and it folds to them they like snap jam anything yeah yeah, yeah and it's yeah, like yeah. i know you, you have four so blinds much. but in big blind ante you're not paying an ante every yeah. single hand so you can get some free hands coming up and if you had if you just look down at like I don't know, 10 deuce, like just full. Right. But people are like, oh, I got to go all in. I only got four <laughs> blinds. Like, you know, they just go crazy. I mean, obviously this doesn't really apply here because he has ace king. He found a real hand. He's probably feeling great <laughs> putting his money in. But ultimately, uh, Jeff flops an eight because, you know, that's what happens. Yep. You know, Jeff flopped it's a nine skill, earlier. Baby. Jeff flopped yep. an eight here. Yep, all skill. You know? And then we have what I think is the hand of the tournament as mm-hmm. it pertains to you going on to victory. And it does involve our good friend, Sergey Kislinski. <laughs> so... You're seven-handed here, 
uh, I believe so. And yeah. he opens, the blinds are 25,000, 50,000. Sergey opens to 110,000 under the gun, so just over min. Jeff, you call from the big blind, and you call with queen, seven of spades. Mm-hmm. Perfect defend. That's fine. Flop comes queen, queen, five. Um, no spades on the flop, and it's all rainbow. Uh, you check. He bets 75,000, so a bit of a down bet there. You check raise to 195K. He makes it 375K. Mm-hmm. The clickback. <clears throat> the clickback. You call. Um, at, at this point, I mean, I know this is like armchair quarterback, Monday morning quarterback type of thing. Like, I mean, alarm balls have to be going off in Sergey's head. I mean, you have like such a high percentage of your chip stack in here in this mm-hmm. pot. Like, what? Yeah, I started the hand <laughs> with like twenty bigs. I, I know. Like, yeah. well, I don't understand what. Like, what? I think it's hard for you to do this with a five. Like, to to do like to end up like calling the three bet on the flop just because, like, there's just like. If he's bluffing, like I mean, a ten comes on the turn, like you're what do you yeah, get? like you're no just like, you're almost, like you have no idea yeah. what to do, you know. So anyway, turn comes a six, you check. He bets 180k, which is like very what, small. So 15, there's a million twenty percent of the pot. The pot yeah. yeah. So you check call 180k, and you have 385k behind. Mm-hmm. Like again, alarm bells have to be going <laughs> off. I mean, it's like well, I don't know, like what what is Jeff? Yeah, have? like yeah. maybe I had the. You know, ace four diamonds, so I check raise flop. I still just probably have to give up after the three bet, which sucks. But like, let's say I did call, and then maybe I turn the flush draw and I check since since, since he bet small, I call again. But yeah, it's it's it's, yeah, it's thin, just, thin, thin, thin. Yeah, I I think yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get to the end of the hand, and then I'll give my opinion okay. on it. So the the nine a nine of clubs comes on the river. You check, um, and uh, Sergey goes all in for your last three hundred eighty five k. You call. He says king jack off. For total air, um, I, I think that I, I know Kislinski is a very good player. Yeah. you know, I just think he kind of leveled himself here. He talked himself into like playing like way above the like rim, like some and, fancy play yeah. syndrome. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and which I've done it. You've probably done yeah, it. Tim's probably done it. We've I've all never, done it. I've Tim's, never done Tim's it. Never had a fancy never, play. You know, Tim would see King Jack off and <laughs> yeah. snap fold. But you yeah, know, I'm that. not raising that junk. <laughs> Come on. But yeah, I I do like his uh, three bet on the flop. I think it's. You know, it's a spot where I think that's kind of underutilized. In yeah, you spots. don't see it that much nowadays, right? You know, so I, I like that. But, I mean, once you call, I think he just has to shut it down. I mean, I don't really know what else he's going to do <laughs> there. Yeah, I mean, unless I'm, he thinks you're capable of folding a queen, but it's like... I, how can I, I really? Know, yeah. And that We're not super deep, you know, like it's not like he's setting me up for some crazy was river it, jam or something. Unless he has you on like the A6. I don't think at this time there was five. any like other severe short stack. No, I don't think yeah, so. so. I mean, it's just kind of like. And I, I thought that I was supposed to check raise a decent amount on the flop there, which is why I did check raise with a queen because I thought like A6 backdoor flush draw, other cards with backdoor flush draw, of which there are a lot considering it came queen, queen, five, rainbow that I would have a lot of small check raises in there. And I looked at the hand today, and it's actually a significant amount of uh, of check raises. Like, there are folds, and then there are check raises, and then there's just, like, a sliver of calling. So, like, in GTO land, you're supposed to be check raising a ton. So that opens it up to Donnie's point, where the three bet maybe should be utilized a little bit more. If he's thinking of me as a more GTO player and knows yeah. I have a ton of check raises, then I... I Again, a three bet still seems weird, but maybe he he can. What's mix the it calling more. range when you, when um, you do that? I think it's some really good queens. Some uh, like pocket for like pocket for, fives, for, for obviously. Or something. Yeah, um, I'm just wondering. What. I don't know. I have it. 
No, I'm sorry. All, like all the queens, except for queen five, of course, would be uh, a check raise. And so the calling is like all your fives, basically. But even those, even those hands are like mostly raises. There's just some more calling mixed in. And then you would call with like ace jack offsuit, ace ten offsuit, and that's it. So like tens and like tens and nines is is check raises. Uh, like, well, tens, tens and nines, you would have just ripped yeah, free, right? Ripped free. I'm so just wondering like if he's like, the... this guy's, well, a nine's a bad, nine's is a bad example because it comes on the river. But like, I'm wondering if he's putting you on like eights or sevens or tens and thinks I, mean, I, I can think maybe Jeff, I blow think Jeff off is this. ripping all that stuff. I know, free. I agree, yeah, right. but I'm just wondering, I'm trying to get in this guy's head and try and figure out what he's putting Jeff on to he, make him he, fold. He blocks queen jack, king queen, Jeff probably rips pre- if he thinks Sergey is a good player and and like leveraging his stack a little bit and you know opening things up, then Jeff can certainly rip king queen pre there and probably get that through. Um, or if yeah. he's like maybe just has like and ace eight. a lot of ace fives here, but even those are rippable pre right. So Sergey with king jack in his hand, like he could have since he has a king, he has a lot of the king queen since he has a jack, he has a lot of the queen jack that open pre. Um, so it's like realistic for him to have some queens there. And just I just had it. <laughs> I mean, you definitely just had it <laughs> yeah. for sure, and you got him to pay it off, which yeah, is just nice. spectacular. So you double up there uh, to over two million. Got to be feeling good at this point. Of course, you know, at that point, are you like, oh, this this could be it? Like this could be the kind of. I kind of thought that throughout the course of the day, as weird as that sounds, but but I always think that it's not like I. Oh my god, that day I had some magical feeling, and then I won a poker tournament. I always think like, <laughs> hey, I could. Could, we could kind of find a way. It seems here. like all your social posts are like, I had eights and he somehow had jacks and I didn't hit an eight and it's unbelievable. Like you're very like, I should right. win every hand. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. Positive you outlook. Gotta expect to win every hand. Right. Or what are you doing out there? Yeah. <laughs> then you play a hand against uh, Scott Sizzler. He opens to 175k on the button, which is just about three x uh, according yeah, to the updates. Yeah, he was using bigger race yeah, size. At, he was a. a Recreational player, um, really nice guy. He ran super hot throughout the course of the day, and, and he would use big sizings. It pre- his like opens were big, his three bets were big. Like he would really try to put you to the test. He was very aggressive. You defend out of the big blind. You have ten nine off, and you're on what fifty bigs? So, I mean, just infinite yeah. big blinds at this point. <laughs> it comes ten seven five. You flop top pair. Both players check. Turn is a seven, pairing the board. You lead out 140K. He calls. The river is a three. You fire 280K. He makes the call. You have 10-9. He probably had ace-queen. Yeah, just, something and like just that. Just talked because, himself yeah, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. F this guy type of thing. Exactly. <laughs> he was just like, ah, oh, he probably has, he probably is bluffing, I call. Yeah, that, so that's... Like that. That simple. So Pretty standard on your part there. Yeah, I think so. I went a little smaller on the turn than usual just because, like, I had mentioned his big sizings and how he's kind of aggressive. And even though I have a really, really, really good hand, all things considered at this point, since I know he bets most of his good hands on the flop, I still don't really want to inflate the pot that much. Like, I don't want to lead 250 and then he makes it 1 million and then, like, we're stuck playing for stacks when I just have 10-9. And just, I'm going to correct myself, you didn't have 50 big ones to start the hand. I don't think you had less. But oh, yeah, probably 30-ish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you had a lot of chips. Yeah. That, that defending 10-9, the point I was trying to make is that defending 10-9 off, to th- basically a three X raise is fine yeah. in that spot. Yeah. Um. So what's this one here? Oh, you have King Jack against the pocket fours of 
Michael Linden, yeah. and you end up doubling him up. Can you believe that? I opened <clears throat> under the gun. Uh, he shoved 12 bigs. Yeah, Minray's so under the gun. Yeah, with the King Jack suit. He jams uh, pocket fours from the big blind. You call King Jack. Board runs out eight seven deuce six five. He ends up making a straight. I just runs so bad. It's ridiculous. You just run horrible in this spot. You know this is another spot where I mean King Jack isn't the greatest hand in the universe. Looks very pretty, right, especially right, King right. Jack and suited. And if like if he shows for fifteen bigs, I fold. Yeah, and, it's and just his stack size yeah. is just like it's kind of annoying. <laughs> you have to pay it off, but that's how that's and how then tournament you're excited poker to is. See fours. Oh, pump, and yeah. then and then you're like, oh right. great, this yeah. is, l- let's go. Uh, so then you guys are down to. Five-handed, and you knock out uh, Corey Wigman. Yeah, Cody. Ho- or, sorry, Co- Cody Wigman. Uh, hopefully, I don't butcher that last name. Who's wearing a no gamble in the I future know, shirt, know, and you just had to send him to the effing rail, yeah. which is just brutal. <laughs> um, so he moves on for 665K at the 40K, 80K level from under the gun. You call on the button with pocket eights. He had king, queen of diamonds, and... Uh, it runs out seven, six, four, ten, eight. You finally win a flip. Yeah, finally win a flip. Your eights hold up. You finish with a set of eights. You eliminate Cody in fifth place. He takes home twenty six k. Um, I think you're up to like what three million or so at that point. Yeah. Um, starting to cook a little bit. Starting to cook point. a little bit. Four people left. Um, now there's an interesting hand against our friend Sergey yeah, again. And this is when it's down to three. By the way. Oh, this so yeah, so this is when it's down to three. So you're down to three here. Sergey opens on the button to 225k button or under the gun if you're three-handed, <laughs> right. um, which is uh, just over two times the big blind. Um, you three bet uh, from the big blind to 725k. He calls. Flop comes nine seven six two spades. You continue for 400k, which is seems like 25% of the pot. He calls four diamonds on the turn. You check. He checks it back. Five of diamonds on the river, so the board is nine seven six four five. Flush draw did not come in. Uh, you bet one point one million. He thinks for a moment and folds. Would you have ready for this one? Oh yeah, the king three offsuit, baby. Oh, love it. <laughs> so the strong. King three so strong. Offsuit, baby. Love those. Love those kings uh, like that. Exactly. Like how many high rollers do we see where the big stack? And I was the big stack, not by much, but I like Enough. I had a slight chip lead at that point where the big stack puts major pressure on the opens with, like, a king in their hand. Like, you saw Alex Foxen do this throughout the World Series, a poker high roller. Like, he would have, like, the jack-5 offsuit, and instead of defending, he would sometimes three-bet. And he didn't have to go super huge like you would normally do throughout the course of a regular tournament. You'd go, like, 3x-ish because it still puts an immense amount of pressure on this guy, Sergey, who's sitting there, and he's like, well, the guy to my left, the small blind, he only has, like, 15 bigs at this point. You know, there's a big 20K pay jump coming up. Like, I'm I'm going to try to put a lot of pressure on Sergey in these kinds of spots, and then I'm kicking myself for it, and then I find a way to get there <laughs> with the straight on the river, and I, I hope to find a call, which he eventually folds. I would have made it a little bit bigger. Yeah, to put even um, more pressure. Pre- yeah, I would have probably gone closer to a million <laughs> here. Um but I, I think, you know, your thought process is certainly right here, you know, using that, that king to an advantage attacking. Yeah. It's just it takes a lot of hands out of out of Sergey's range. Obviously he, it's three handed, so he could have anything sure. <laughs> really, sure. you know. So so yeah. I mean you, I, I like the play by you. You mentioned the the Alex Foxen comment. Is this something that is, you know, GTO specifics wise, like strategy wise approved, like in the calculators, or is this something you've seen, you know, with Alex Foxen when you're broadcasting on the sidelines? It's like Oh, this 
I might try and take this concept and do it myself. Yeah, that's a good question. In the only studying that I've done, I don't see that kind of stuff because, like, the stuff I look at is not, like, final table ICM dynamics. The yeah. guys like the high rollers, like the Alex Foxons of the world, they're looking at that. They're looking at, okay, there are five players left. I have this many chips, second place has this many chips, et cetera, et cetera, and here are the pay jumps. Now, you know, let's work the magic and the solvers and all that, and here's what the quote-unquote calculator pours out to me yeah. that I should be three I think I think that I should be three betting some of these hands with a king in it with an ace in it that to, to really put some pressure on because of ICN so that's something that I purely picked up on um throughout watching our stuff it's not something that I've watched a video on like hey at final tables with four left you know make sure to three bet out of the big blind more it's not anything that I've seen so you saw when you saw, when you saw this play by Alex Foxen is it something then you you know, you talk to your friend group about it and be like, what do you think of this? Or is it something you run yourself? Or is it just in the moment you're at this final table, you look down at the king three and it kind of jugs your memory? It's kind of like the latter. I mean, you know, just because a couple points from all the final tables that we've watched yeah. stood out. Like Alex Foxen was a prime example of that. But, you know, I've seen it 10 or 15 times in the last year or so. So I think, like, it's it's the latter. I don't. You know, I don't run these kinds of things myself because I don't have all the programs that are yeah. capable of doing that. I'm certainly not even close to mm -hmm. that level where it's even worthwhile for me to be able to get something to run those kinds of things. So I'm just trying to pick up on very general concepts from watching the high rollers and seeing how I can apply that. I think this hand also illustrates two things that are more perception-based that I think you did a very good job with is, first of all, you recognize, and you mentioned it, that that third player, Russell McLean, is is pretty short here. Mm -hmm. So there's that dynamic that, you know, Sergey might not want to just go ballistic against you because there is a short stack there and there's a big pay jump at hand. I also think that this is a type of play where you probably need to do it a little bit against somebody who can think. And I think you recognize that Sergey is a good thinking player. So... You, if you're able to elevate your play, it resonates a little bit more. Whereas yeah. going back to before, where I said Sergey might have, you know, kind of leveled himself a little bit at times. If you, you know, you can just think that a player's good or not that good or whatever you think of them, you can make a mistake and you can adjust your play in the incorrect way. Whereas here, you know, you were like, okay, like you know, he's he's a good player. He's probably opening really wide here. I can attack with this hand, that sort of thing. So kind of perception base there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But it's it's. Worth that, like, you know, if you're grinding on your phone every day or all the time during a tournament, you might not realize what, what's going on. And then you see some guy opens and you jam the ace jack and he's got kings. And then somebody makes a comment, well, that's the first hand he's played in three hours. Well, if you were paying attention to what's going on here, <laughs> right, you know, right. you understand the dynamics at the table. So so there's that. Um, all right. So then you get the heads up play um, against uh, Russell McLean. I think it was Russell that took out Sergey. Um, yeah, in, in third correct. place. Yeah. And you have a slight lead to start? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. So slight lead to start, not not anything crazy. The blinds are 50,000, 100,000. You have 6.4 million. He's got 5.3 million. So, I mean. We're pretty deep. Pr pretty deep. Before pretty we get even. into the, the hands, yeah. get heads up in a big spot like this, 100K to first. Any thoughts on making a deal? Like, how do you approach this situation in, in tournaments like these? When we were three-handed, Russell, I think he goes by Rusty, came up to me, came up to both of us, and he said, do you guys want to talk at all? And, like, before he could even get the words out of his mouth, I, was, I said, no thanks, let's play. Um, now, that's that's me, and I'm not saying that that's right. I just personally 
kind of have already made this decision years ago. I'm just never going to chop. We're, we're just like, we're just I'm always going to no play deal for as well. it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just ne- Now, if he says, yeah, here's first place money, here's the trophy, I'd be like, okay, cool, now we can chop. <laughs> but other, like, other than that, I'm just like, it's just not something that I want to do. The money is nice. The money is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I'll never say that it's not incredible. But I'm just not, like, I, I thrive for that competition, and I want everything to be on the line when we get deep. And, like, you know how often am I going to be three-handed for well, that's, that's a title? Let's play it out. That's the thing. Us. I think it was, I think it was Andrew Moreno, who is a good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. But also, you know, making a lot of waves more recently in in tournament poker. But he, I think he wrote a piece or maybe put it on Twitter. I can't remember exactly. I know Upswing posted it, like kind of an article around uh, his thoughts. But his thinking about you know not making a deal. And it actually came up after an event that he won at Venetian, interestingly enough, um, is kind of along what you just said, where it's like, how often are you going to get to this point in a tournament? And the only like true way to maximize your chances yeah. is to play it out, to play like it out. to play it out. You, you know? think you have an edge, which I do, whether that's I do think that whether I'm arrogant or not about it, whether I'm overconfident or not about it. It's just like you need to play it out in these spots specifically because they're worth so much. Yeah, because you want to the the times you do win, like you want to win the maximum that you can yeah. win. You know, you don't want to always just cap yourself. And then there's also the experience thing about like, you know, there's going to be times when you get to three hand out of a tournament, and if you're in the mindset that you're always just going to like get down to X amount of players and then snap make a deal, but then there's a time when somebody says no. Then you're forced to play, yeah. and you have no idea what to do because you point. don't have Great that point. experience. Like you don't, you I don't know what you're doing. This experience is so, so, so valuable. Yeah. Too, moving forward. So just, just play for it. Just go yeah. for it. I mean, listen, people. It's, it's, it's always funny to me that like you sign up for a tournament and you dream about winning first place. That's everyone signs up for a tournament every single time, but then you get down to five, six handed, and everyone's like, "Let's make a deal." Yeah, it's right, like, yeah, right. but that was. What, if that was if it's a single day tournament that might have been eight hours ago if it was a multi day tournament that's two or three days ago, whatever the time frame is, there's a short amount of time that you went from thinking one thing to now like oh we have to make a deal yeah like no just, just don't get play it. for it all yeah. like you know it's the dream now, win a poker tournament it might be different depending there's obviously situations when it might be different like if somebody offers you some insane of deal course. that like you can't turn down and, or, you know people like. Uh, really need the money in this specific spot, and so to pick up an extra X amount of money, yeah. like it's going to benefit them, their family, et cetera. But et cetera. I would say cool, at that point, you that. probably shouldn't be playing the tournament. That's also true. <laughs> you need <laughs> the money that bad, but you know, that's how, that's how it is. So yeah, I'm 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 team no deal. I just you know I like it, and, and it's funny because like a lot of times you play smaller stuff, people get pissed at you if you don't want to deal, and it's like oh right, yeah. Like, you get shot, shot now, out. fortunately <laughs> for me in this spot, there was none of that. It was just like okay, cool, let's yeah. play, well, which is good. Yeah. So uh, McLean takes the lead. I think pretty early on, uh, he flops a set of queens, which is just like, I mean, you just get dealt two queens heads up, and what are you going to do? Um, do you know what you had on this hand? Yeah, I, I jack 10 with the 10 of clubs. Oh, jack 10. Look at that. Um, I mean, turn's just a bad card for you. So do you limp the button. Yeah. Uh, McLean makes it 400K, so 4X out of the big blind. You call um, with jack 10. Comes queen, 9, 7. He leads for 300K. You call. Turns the jack, giving you a pair along with your straight jaw. McLean leads again, 700K. You call, River is a four, completes the board. He bets 1.2 million. You think, you call, mm-hmm. he shows you a set of queens. <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, good. You know, just, just a set of queens, basically the nuts. I mean, what are you going to do? So he takes the lead with that one. It's like 7 million to 4.7 um, or so. But then you fight back and you win a big pot and mm-hmm. you take the lead. Um, this is when the blinds are up to 6120. 
Uh, McLean, min raises on the button, 240K. You defend the big blind. Comes king, seven, deuce, two diamonds. Um, you check. He bets 200K. Uh, you call. Just just reading through these hands right now and, and seeing these sizes from McLean, I feel like he's a competent player. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. And he was he was aggressive, and he, he was tough to uh, tough to deal with. We played very different strategies pre-flop he was either raising or folding mm-hmm. on the button and i was mostly limping with a little bit of raising and never folding you know i have brent hanks's voice in my head whenever we get down the heads up at the poker masters or the uspo i always hear brent say and jeff you'll never see <laughs> any folds on the button with big wine ante and so it's like don't fold yeah on the button i'm i'll, I'll mix it up between um, not that I have a lot of experience because that would mean you have to get heads up in the tournament, <laughs> but you know, but between raising and calling, but I'm like yeah. rarely folding. Like, it's just, right, it's right, just right. Too You're much. Like seven deuce, six deuce. Like, yeah, whatever. Sure. Like let's just you know go. And and a lot of times, like I don't think people. People in the big blind don't get too crazy and like put a lot of pressure on you, so it's not. That's true. You're not you're not playing against Alex Foxen to use him as, as yeah. an example as we've been playing against. Um, so it comes king seven deuce two diamonds. Uh, you check. He bets two hundred k. You make the call. Five on the turn, uh, you check, he bets 350K. You make the call, four completes the board on the river, so it's king, seven, deuce, two diamonds are on the flop. Uh, five on the turn, four on the river, the diamond uh, flush draw did not come in. You bomb the river, 2.3 million, which is an overbet, I believe. Yeah, I think it's like uh, 2X. Yeah, so you bomb the river, 2.3 million. He looks you up, you table king four for two pair and take the lead. Do you think you got lucky here? Uh. You think yes. he had a better king? Yes, yeah. yes. I, I mean, he told me he had a better king. Okay. I don't see any reason for him uh, to lie in, in that specific spot. So I do think I got lucky. And, and that's part of what that kind of bet targets, right? Like, just in case we did get lucky, there's no chance he can fold a king. I mean, I would have to go big with my missed diamond draws. I think I would have to go big, you know, turn like a 6-5, six 6-deuce, uh, 7-3, 7-deuce... I'm sorry, seven three and three deuce into bluffs, like any hands with the three or six in my hands. Maybe some ace highs I would turn into a bluff because I have the ace, and like I could have the ace three on occasion and have gotten there. Um, so I, I think like if I'm going big on those bluffs, you know, we might as well go big on those value hands uh, as well. And and I guess there are situations where I just turn king four into a bluff catcher, right? Like if the river's the the uh, jack of diamonds or something instead of the four clubs making my two pair. I can just check any bets and, you know, we make a judgment call and just probably have to make the call heads up with, with top pair. But I think in this case, you know, we we can just go go bombs away. Does it take out his bluffs? Sure. But he can talk himself. I think he can talk himself into a lot of calls that he doesn't just have to have a king to make that call there. That's why I think this hand is really interesting on the river because I think there's a, probably a good amount of times you can just check here because you don't have any diamonds. He could have diamonds. He could have like yeah. ace, 10 of diamonds. Um, and, yeah, and like, like you, you said, his yeah, if you, yeah, if you want to keep it in. Also, I mean, I mean, you'll, you would know more because it's hard being on this side of things reviewing after you played with McLean, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. like, is he capable of folding a king here, just a naked king? Like if he's got king nine or whatever, you know, is he capable because of your bet sizing to give it up? So do you want to try and target some or, or uh, and then also you know bridging on that with a king is he gonna check back a king on the river mm-hmm. or is he going to bet a king you know for value so it's like i mean you would understand more having been in the position so you know i trust what you did here but i could see 
you know, there's times when you would just check here because, you know, you have a really strong hand, but you do want to allow yeah. him to put more chips in the pot. I, I mean, ultimately, I, he, he, you found a really good spot because he had a king and he right, was able right, to right. put chips in. Right. But, I, I, yeah, I think to that point, I definitely see the argument for checking. And I just see too many check backs, especially with hands that would call a big bet. Like any pair under yeah. a pair of kings, I think, would not only check back, but they also have the potential to call a really big bet there. And that's what pushed me to big bet. I think I think you would agree, like, it's either check or bet big. I, I don't think yeah. that you are I mean, I think you did a good it. job of of maximizing value. Um, I mean, and again, you were playing with McLean. I, I wasn't. Yeah, so you yeah, would yeah. understand what, what, you know, what his tendencies are in this sort of spot. So it's one of those situations where, I mean, I can offer a critique from here, but it's also like, well, it depends. I right. mean, I'm not playing in, in this spot. So like I know, or I think that an overbet here is going to work. Maybe I think that a min bet's going to work. Maybe I think checking's going to work, you know, whatever it may be. So, but yeah, but you did a really good job there of extracting I would assume maximum value. I don't, I'm not sure you could go any bigger than 2.3 million in that spot. But and then to go back to your original point that you made at the very beginning of this, like it's probably a mix, you know, in like well, yeah. GTO land. Like this could be right, and this could be right, and this could be right. You know, it all depends. Yeah, of course. And then the final hand of the tournament. Um, so you limp on the button, doing the thing that you like to do, limping mm-hmm. the button. He ships it uh, for what is this? 15, 14 big blinds? Yeah. Yeah, 14 big blinds. I think he had a touch more. I think it was he was in the 15 to 17 range, but okay. whatever, go ahead. Yeah, so he ships it from the big blinds um, with jack seven, um, which I don't like. Uh, you instantly call the ace nine of hearts. Um, board runs out. Well, <laughs> the flop gave him the, yeah. the leading hand. Queen 10, seven. Uh, it also has a diamond as well that he has jack seven or diamonds. Uh Turn is a five, and the river's a nine. So you went on the river nice with the river nine. Card. Nine always comes, yeah. as, as Mincy says. The nine always comes. Um, I can't remember, Tim, if it was you or Remco, but on commentary this summer, one of you guys, one of you knuckleheads out there, tried to tell me ace-nine is a bad hand. Clearly, it is a tournament-winning winning hand, hand, and it Tim. is a six-figure tournament-winning hand. Is. I don't know if it was you or if it was Remco. It could have been either of us. I, I, there was like a hand where basically like somebody like, just folded or like I don't know. I, I was like rip. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like something I would say. <laughs> yeah, it sounds nine. more like it sounds more thing. like me. But I kind of I actually do think range, it was so. you. And then Remco and I had a battle over King Nine. I think where I was okay. like King Nine sucks, and Remco was like King Nine's good. I was like, no, people think King Nine's good. Yeah, and they get in a lot of stupid sucks. spots. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't like his rip here uh, with Jack Seven. I just think he's like going back to what we were saying. Like he's. Got a lot of He's life in totally this tournament. Fine. Yeah, Just, totally fine. And Jack Seven won't play horrific. Um, heads up, Jack Seven suited specifically. Yeah. Like just check, you'll be fine in a lot of spots. The um, question I have is, but then you're just going to get snapped off here a lot, especially if Jeff. I mean, almost always he likes. might not know this, but he might have started to get the sense of it because he was playing Jeff heads up for however long that they were playing. But if Jeff's just like limping everything. Then it's very capable that Jeff has very good hands yeah. when he's limping. That's what I was going to ask. After you took the lead, how was the heads up match between you taking the lead on this hand? Were you limping and he was checking back or was he shoving a lot? Because I think that changes his Jack Seven shot. The dynamic changed for sure. Um, we played heads up for probably two full levels, so maybe an hour, hour and a half ish or so. And I mean, like I said, I was limping maybe 90% and raising. 10%, so I did have some raises here and there. Um, 
he would raise a decent amount of times when I limped on the button, and I was pretty mixed into uh, calling or folding, of course, just based off the strength of my hand. But I went on a rush after that king forehand like we talked about, and everything worked for me. So it's one of those where if it's all about the momentum, I had all the momentum at this it point. Se- so it seems like I read the king forehand. Yeah. We talked about it. I see what his chip stack was. He had like a 3 million, 2.8 million yeah. or so. This, they say he has 1.6 million. So to me, it seems like you probably won a lot of pots and they were probably just small pots here and there. They were all small pots, but yeah. when your head's up and you're losing over and over again, we've all been there and it yep. just, it beats you down. And eventually yeah. you're just like, I gotta take a stand. Right. F this guy. Like, like <laughs> what am I gonna do? Maybe he had just horrible hands, and then Jack Seven right, Suiter is right, like the best possible. hand. He's like, I'm all in. You know, and he steps in it here because you have the Ace Nine of Hearts. Um, but I also do think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where you just have to be extremely patient and just like not freak out. Right. You know. So. So yeah. I mean, it's easy to say now. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. Me, me, yeah, sit, me course, sitting here. It, it's it's hard to sit in that chair and just you know you lose eight hands in a row, but that's not. It's not that rare in in yeah. heads up play to just go through those kinds of swings. But yeah, when emotion plays a part of it, my limps with those good hands like the Ace Nine become all the more valuable because you know you're kind of waiting for that maybe semi tilted shove, and you're there to pick it off. How, what was your mindset like on this final hand as the board is running out? Cause it's kind of like okay, we got to go back to work. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like it's like just okay, like, how much is it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. there's a nine. Oh, okay. right, right. I mean, I was I was really calm. Like, you know, Rusty was standing up. Everybody behind us was standing up and converging on the table. And I was just kind of sitting there, you know, just very, very relaxed, very calm. And especially when I saw the seven, it's not like I went, God damn it, or you know, anything of, yeah. of the sort. I was just kind of telling myself, like, okay, back to work we go. Like, let's just get right back into it. We're still fine. We still got a chip lead. We're still deep. So it was fine for me. And then on the river, it was like the nine, and it's like, oh, <laughs> just just won the poker tournament. Yeah. What, was the, uh, what was the vibe like, the atmosphere like in the tournament when you guys were playing heads up and then when you won? Yeah, it was like I had, you know, Ludlow on the rail. Scott Blumstein had stopped by. I mean, he oh, knew. main event champ. Yeah, he oh. knew the guy that I was um, playing against. And so Rusty had a couple – friends there and then you had you know maybe five or six random people who were watching and a couple of people from MSPT and a couple of people from Venetian were right there and they had the trophy on the table which you know it's a it's a really cool badass trophy I've named him Mufasa um, and so like it it felt it felt important and so like every big hand you know people would kind of rush yeah, yeah. upon upon the table so like it, it felt like a like a pretty big deal and like pretty intense but it was a good overall like lighthearted atmosphere there was no you know bad blood between the rails or anything um no like you know my celebration was only uh you know get up shake his hand <laughs> and then you know give a couple hugs to the rail and I bet you like Ludlow was more excited than you. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. He was more outwardly expressive about yeah. it. But nobody was more elated or happy than I was. Yeah. I mean, you can tell in the picture like I just could not stop smiling. I was so overwhelmed by all the emotion. I was like tearing up. I was like kind of crying but really laughing but also smiling. Um it was just and you know for the winner's photo, like everybody's taking a picture. It's just just it was a surreal moment for sure. $100,804 yeah. is the win. Top 470 entries. 
I mean, like, how, how do you feel now being a couple of days removed of it? Um, there's been a lot of outpour on social media congratulating yeah. you, which is, I'm sure, really cool and awesome and, and heartfelt on your end. Um, you know, you've been on like 17 podcasts, I think. <laughs> now we're like the we're like the 90th podcast yeah, you've Tim's been like, on. Yeah, Tim's like, oh, save the company podcast for later. Yeah, sure. I was like, yeah, I I was like we should from, be first. I was like, I saw a tweet from Kraken East. I was like, already? Like, <laughs> what? what is happening out there? But, um, but yeah, I mean, how, how like, does it still feel great? Does it's it, cool. Does it yeah. feel better than it did in the moment? Only because like you're you're so. I always feel like people in the moment. Just this is me talking like from somebody who has to go up and like interview winners at times. Mm-hmm. They they've just been through this grueling thing and they're not fully like out of that yet. Right. You know. So like you might not be jumping around like you said or whatnot because you're still like, oh, and even like even with the way that the board ran out, like you don't, <laughs> you know, it might've been a little bit different had you just flopped like an ace and you're like, oh, I got this, like, let's yeah. go. The type of thing where it's like, oh, okay, I had doubled the guy up, whatever. So yeah. It's just so different, yeah, from that moment to, you know, what I'm feeling now. I feel great about it. Like just, it still doesn't quite feel real to me. Um, You mentioned the, the outpouring of support on social media, which I'm genuinely, uh, overwhelmed by you know that was that was so cool to just see all the responses and interactions which i felt was so genuine and i'm still trying to get back to people and that part of it is something i find really cool to have like such a big virtual rail of people who who i don't even know personally who maybe have watched us or listened to us in the past that just feels really good and then you know i said this on cracking aces i don't think you ever want to be too results oriented but with that said, like, I think it's easy for me to see a win as validation of sorts. Like, did I run really well? Yeah, absolutely. Did I play really well? I'd like to think so, sure. I'm, I'm sure I messed up a thousand times. But when you put in the work, not just at work, but when you study outside of work and you put in the volume, you play a lot of tournaments, and then you get a win like this, you know, it, it, really, it really meant something to me, and I think it will continue to mean something to me for a while. I love hearing that. Because I'm kind of sick and tired when I talk to a winner and they say, "Oh, I just ran hot." Yeah, no, yeah, like yeah. I, I know that. you bust yeah. your ass. Like I know, I, I know these guys are yeah. out there grinding, probably 20 hours a day, like right. running sims and looking. At, like you can say that, like I put in a lot of hard work, and it's great to see everything go my way and my hard work, you know, finally come to fruition. Like, yes, there is luck in poker. Yeah. We, we totally get it. Jeff hit fucking nine, a nine against aces. Right. Like we, we get it. Yeah. Like you know, yeah. but like. You still have to put in a lot of work for things to come, and it's fine to celebrate the fact that you do. And I kind of just think like it. I just don't feel like it does the best thing for the game when you're like, "Oh, I just got lucky." Right. Right. It's like no, if you work hard, like you can do really well. And yeah, sometimes it sucks because you can put in a lot of work in poker, specifically in tournaments, because you can just run crappy and not win, <laughs> right, and like right, right. stuff just doesn't go your way for so long. But you like, there's a lot of really, really good poker players out there. That probably haven't won anything in five years, <laughs> but it's just sure. like that's just the breaks. Yeah. But it's good to to hear someone say like, I do feel like there is some validation here to all the time and effort that I've put in, and I'm not just some guy who's commentating on the cards that he <laughs> felt. You know, like I I do am trying to like get better at this and that sort of thing. So I think it's it's good. It, I, it makes me feel good to hear you say that because you know there's a lot of times oh I just got lucky. Right. No. I know you. I know for a fact. You. I know as soon as you get off, 
this interview with me, yeah. you're going to walk over there with a chart on your phone and talk to your buddy. Yeah. I know yeah. for a fact you're going to say like, oh, I think I messed this up. I think I did this right, whatever. No, yeah. I know you did that. Yeah. Celebrate it. Come right. on. Like, you, celebrate your wins. You can acknowledge card distribution and acknowledge variants, but also you acknowledge You think they interview the, the Super Bowl winner and he's like, oh, I just got lucky. Yeah, right. I just right, got, right. just got, yeah, the ball just bounced out. No. Like, we put in a lot of hard work all season. It started in the off season. We grinded, we grinded, we believed in ourselves. We kept working, yeah. we kept at it. And it, it you know, yeah, yes, things did happen. Yeah, maybe to fall one our way. turnover at a certain yeah. point in the game. Yeah. But like, you, you know, celebrate those I, wins. I, people. I asked it, Tim, your boy, Adama, this at the end of every win, you know, what led to this win. And he would always talk about the cards, always talk about the cards. And so finally, um, he won another World Series high <laughs> roll or something. And so I'm like, I said, besides card <laughs> distribution, what do you credit for your success? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I just think I'm get really lucky here and there. I'm like, no, that's, that's not what I want to hear. Because we know that Adamo yeah. is something special and his like skills are there. And it's it's okay for him to say, yeah, cards were good. I ran fine. But yeah, cards also, are good. You also like five bet a flop with yes. seven high and like got the guy but to also, fold, like, like dominate. <laughs> yeah. I think these guys just just don't want to give much up. That's the problem. Right, right, right. And that's that's yeah, but you don't have to us. give much up. You can just say like, yeah, like th- it's, I work it's, hard. It's it proof feels good that, to win. that I, I work hard. You know, I put it in. Jeremy Osmus did say it um, when he won yeah. the Poker Girl Cup. You know, he said like, I've really been putting in a lot of time and effort in to studying these tournaments and that sort of thing. So it's good to and because and he actually like he ran bad for a long time. Yeah. And he was losing a lot, and then finally like it was like boom, boom, boom. He starts winning. You know that sort of thing. You know, and then you have people like on that do the opposite. Like Phil Hellmuth is the biggest example where <laughs> oh, yeah. you like you have a really good idea that he doesn't study ever, but he just talks about how he's the greatest in the world. Yeah. He knows everything. It's like okay, now you go the other way. Right, they can <laughs> go the other way for sure. So yeah, so but it's it's. I mean, congrats, man. Thanks, what what man. I gotta thank say? You. And you. and thank you for doing this podcast. You I know it was it. I know it was a little bit different for all the viewers out there or all the listeners out there. Um, we were really strategy based, but I definitely did want to talk to you about that sort of stuff because, I mean, kind of selfishly. Because I play a lot of the same stuff you right, do. Right, you're in the same I'm also trying to, like, learn and get better as, like, just this media guy, you know? So I think I I've wanted always... to pick your brain in a lot of ways, and I think I did that and I accomplished it. But I also hope that the listeners liked it. <laughs> I always have this – I've always had this approach to, to media. We're all in poker media that yeah. I feel that we need to gain some credibility and some respect, you know, doing this job and having some results to back up that we're just – you know, not no ones. And I, you know, I've been stuck on like 90 K winnings for so long and it kind of bothers me. <laughs> Obviously, you know, you're now up to just under 600 K not including online. And I feel that in this industry, we kind of want to have results like yeah. selfishly so that there's some justification to our work and how we approach interviewing players or writing articles or, you know, interviewing. We, we have some, a little bit of gravitas behind us. That's my approach to this industry since I, I agree. Entered. I feel the same way. I didn't feel like I was validated within, like, validated to bridge the gap between being the media guy and the poker players mm-hmm, mm-hmm, until, mm-hmm. and this is actually nothing to do with poker, until I played World Cup of Vegas. Yeah. And they were like, wow, you're really good at soccer. And then it was like <laughs> they kind of welcomed me into, yeah. like, because uh, okay. like, th- I feel like they, there's a lot of, good soccer players that are poker players, you know, a, yeah. lot, a lot of guys from Europe, et cetera, Brazil, South right. America, blah, 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 you know, and I, they probably thought like, oh, who's this, this random media guy, like, they, they, whatever, for whatever reason, they, they were like, well, I'm the poker player, he's the working guy, I'm going to be better kind of anywhere. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm very good at soccer, I've been playing my whole right, life, right, right, and, right. and I was very good whenever I play, and they were like, wow, 
So like, and now I feel like I'm Anybody kind of in with those yeah. guys yeah. in a way, you know, which is like kind of weird because that has nothing to do with poker. Right. But I am also kind of searching for that in poker in some ways, um, because I don't like I want people to just understand that I am not just fucking clicking buttons, which I think a yeah. lot of us do. You know, I I I definitely also don't want to like become a professional poker player. Right. Like I don't want to go down that road because I think that I I've seen nightmares. Like it doesn't really it it's fun. Yeah. Like if I won the fucking main event for ten million dollars, <laughs> like course. yes, I would fucking quit my job and right. I would like play poker. Probably not even professionally, just as fun because I have all this money that it doesn't matter what I do right, right, right. and I'll be fine. You know, that's a different thing. But like if I won four hundred k tomorrow, like I'm not gonna quit my job and like try and Same. grind. Right. Be- just because, like, I've seen people that do that, and it looks like, I mean, you can just run bad. It can just work, yeah. ruin your mental state. Like, it's really good to, and I think, I can't remember who, but I'm pretty sure it was on Cracking Aces again. Um, somebody was like, you know, you kind of did it right where, like, you have the regular income. Mm-hmm. Like, you're able to mm-hmm. play, and then, you know, you're also, like, your your job is within the industry, so you're always, like, learning. You're always around the game, but then you can play on the side as well, which I think is good, you know. So, Yeah. I, I would agree with Tim where like I'm kind of like in a way yeah. searching for that some sort of validation. I um, wonder if this is for you as when you interview Adamo or whoever next and they kind of are aware of your results that maybe I don't now think, they'll I, I don't think Adamo has <laughs> any idea <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> I don't Sam think Adamo <laughs> knows like what Sam Soverall Okay, wins. Jason Kuhn <laughs> okay, responded Kuhn. to your, yeah, your yeah, Twitter Kuhn, post. So let's that. use Jason Kuhn as an example. He knows that you know, you've just won a pretty decent event. You must have put in some work. So when you do interview him, mm-hmm. maybe he's more likely to, to open up a little bit and dis- and not, you know, maybe he, the GTO is a scary word to some people, but yeah. he understands that you understand GTO and may, you know, in these interviews, open up a little bit more. Yeah, I think with somebody like Jason, you know, he's probably smart enough to realize what our overall audience is looking for. And in those kind of quick interviews, you know, he specifically probably wouldn't dive much into that. But when we're talking for longer form interviews or when we're just talking, you know, maybe, maybe then like he reveals a little bit more to me than he normally would have. Yeah. Like most poker players who come in to the studio and we're doing interviews, like if they're talking about a specific hand for whatever reason, they're going to talk to Hanks, which is fine. Like, I, cause I just <laughs> can listen in and what does Hanks know, by the way, they're probably just, <laughs> yeah. When's the last when's time the last he won? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I mean, we know he has that's a bracelet. What, we get it, but it's like, when's the with, last time yeah. Hanks won a tournament? And so a lot of the stuff I could pick up on. And then, you know, some of the players just talk to us both and a lot, not about hands, but like, you know, I remember Ali Amshurovich coming in and talking to both of us about a hand and the way he talked about the hand and the speed at which he described it, I was like, okay, got a lot of work to yeah. do. But there yeah. are little things that you can pick up. And then, yeah, to Tim's point, I think some players could, you know, maybe open up a little bit more um, with me because, you know, maybe it's a little bit more respect or a little bit more credibility or a little bit more understanding of, you know, kind of what we do that we're all kind of out there grinding. Tim's in the South Point Daily Streets. No, that's him. I'm in the Global Poker Streets. I haven't played hey, South Point second, in a long time. I took second in an online tournament the other day. Did I, you really? I botched heads up so bad. I had like 1.4 million to 400k and just he just crushed me. In one of these USPO things? And it wasn't a USPO. It was just a, another $11 something. Okay, heads up. Is- I limped the button a lot. There we go. You know. There but, we go. Speaking of Brent Hanks, nine and a half years ago, last victory. When nine last- and a half? Yeah. <clears throat> it was... It was, it was Pretty decent one. The uh, California State Poker Championships oh, yeah. for 117,000. Oh, that's a pretty good one. Brent yeah. would be all right if he. Uh, How much like, does he really play? play? Like, big, no, he doesn't play a he lot. He doesn't play he enough. Yeah. Series, that's he, if he played plays year like round, events at the World if he series. played year round, maybe he would have better results. Jeff brought up someone on Cracking Aces podcast who 
is kind of in the same light as uh, Brent Hanks, but is also someone that would probably be on my short list of people that I would want to coach me in poker. Oh. And it's Eric Baldwin. Yeah. Because he plays pretty much everything that I play. He also plays much bigger. Right. And he's just all, he always has fucking chips. It's like the most unreal thing. Yeah. I'm like, how do you get all these chips? I mean, I did see in a win tournament recently how he got chips. And I was like, well, you got super lucky. <laughs> okay. like, it was like raise, call, call, call. And he just ripped in like a crap ton of chips from the big blind with eight, seven. Ace Jack called and he hit a seven. Huh? But it's like, okay, I get it. But all, I mean, I see him always have a lot of chips. Um, and I'm always like, you, you are just a grinder. Can you just teach me how to like just grind these things? Man, he grinds, and as I said on on that show, like he is locked in. Like he doesn't really look at his phone. He's just yeah. taking it all in, even when he's not involved in a hand. He grinds. It's very admirable um, what he's been able to to put together. That that dude is such a crusher. Yeah, he's he he grinds everything. He always has a lot of chips, you know, in, in a lot of stuff. So he's definitely certainly out there. Um, but I, I know he's friends with Hanks. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. Maybe I, I he just, can give some <laughs> tips to Brent. He may be. Get him back in the, in the streets. But I feel like he's also, like, super underrated. Like, for people, sure. People for don't. Because sure. he kind of, like, he had a big rush m- many years ago, a couple years ago, whatever it was, where, he, you know, he won a bracelet. He I think he came second in, like, the WPT World Championship. Like, he has, like, some really big scores. But he doesn't travel anymore. Does, he just stays here plays like these wind venetian like whatever Whatever's like going on. between 400 to probably 10k tournaments yeah. like he just plays it he doesn't come and play the studio events a lot no, very you rarely. know like you know so but he's out there in like all these other tournaments around vegas just crushing like all the time it's unbelievable. same thing used to be about justin young but he's kind of like moved to cash games more now but he was also like always in these tournaments and it's like <laughs> You guys just like hang out at home with your family and kids, <laughs> right, and then they're like, "Oh, there's a six hundred dollar tournament today. I think I'll go win that one." Like, yes. you know, it's like so so crazy. But like, that's who I'm like in poker. Like, I'm like the guy who has a family and a yeah. job, and I'm not traveling around doing this sort of stuff. So I'm taking my shots here and there. So there's like, so much poker nowadays in Vegas that you, you don't, don't really need to need travel, travel for that much. Yeah, right. And I, and I do. I I would like to travel sometimes. Like I like it was yeah. cool when you went to Seminole. For, like I always wanted to go to Seminole. We went to Seminole for reporting whatever a year and a half ago but like i want to go there and like play something because they have just awesome tournaments i think the fields are really good huge prize pools obviously south florida etc um but i like i look at it and i'm like it's a lot of money to travel and mm-hmm. put yourself up yeah. i'm like i totally get it like i'll just stay here and like play you this nearly stuff get the same value at the win in one of the, no in one i know of but it's kind of like it's almost in a weird way like a bucket list type yeah. of thing like just to go there and play, play. for a week not worry about anything it's else like one of those, i, I want to go play i've played at Seminole before but like i want to go play like one of those like i don't know 17 flight 600 dollar <laughs> yeah, opening yeah. like i want to play that like I, that's what yeah. i want to do like, and then the next day you play the two day one k. Yeah, like I just want to. Like, I want to spend max. like a week there and just yeah. play those tournaments. Like when we went there, we had that day off, and I was so oh, annoyed yeah. that there was, there was no on. tournament on oh, that I heard day. You guys yeah. about it was that, like a, yeah. nothing going. I was like, how did they not have just like a one day turbo? <laughs> like come on, they have them every other day, and then this day they don't have them. Like so brutal. Yeah. Um, it is great to just to just go for a series. I mean, you said it. I went to Seminole for. A week now, I got absolutely crushed. But that's yeah. just that's just going to happen a lot. And it's it's worse when you get crushed and like you had to pay a flight, you had to book yeah. your like. And then you're getting tired of the hotel life. Yeah. and you just want to be back home. And mm-hmm. um, but overall, it's yeah, it's it's cool. So I, I completely understand what you're saying. So uh, come to come to run good stop, run good. Pulse, the, you guys? The, no, the next one coming up is actually pretty good. Grattan has a bunch of mixed events on the, it. 
studio a 50k guarantee yeah. Yeah. main events it's kind of busy season for me i'm like expected to go all these weddings and stuff yeah and like, I got every year i try and tell people i'm like listen i'm done going to weddings i'm over it and there's more more effing weddings can't stand it it's mostly just, my wife wants to go to the weddings and then i obviously have to go send her by yourself i try <laughs> but you know it's just not it's just not um, working I just try to have no friends. That way yeah. I get no wedding invites. There you go. <laughs> Easy. Well, you're going to a bachelor party. Yeah, right? yeah. It didn't yeah. quite work with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> what's uh, What's next on the poker playing front? I think it'll be- Now that you know you have a 100K score. Like... <laughs> right. Poker Masters, here we come, baby. <laughs> yeah. Just just from a broadcast Light it all on fire. Let's not, go. <laughs> not going to play at the Poker Masters. I think it'll be some of these World Series of Poker online bracelet events. I know those start uh, next week. Next as far week, as the yeah. live scene is concerned, I know when- Wynn's next series is in October. Yeah, I know- listen, Wynn needs to stop having fucking tournaments all the time because I'm just going broke. <laughs> like they're awesome, and I can't Maybe miss them. You and need it's to like, play better. I planned this last. <laughs> yeah. I planned or this last one. one. Yeah. I planned this last one, and I was like, okay, this is great. This is good timing. Then I'll be able to take like two months off from. Re- I'll play tournaments here and there, or whatever. But then I was like, I'll play the stuff in December, hopefully around the WPT event. And then they just drop this one in October, and I'm like, oh, I have to. Like, because you, you look at the schedule, yeah. and you're like. It's too. It's going to be amazing. It's like, you, how can yeah. you miss this? Yeah. Like, like they they really are so good at the win. Like the structures are incredible. I think it's perfect. So I, I, it's such a nice place to play as well. Just yeah, that room. We just I, need to get a little mini food court that you can run into on that short break. Yeah, and just pick up some. You know, or just buy a food. cooler and bring your own. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I just don't want to protein bars I, in your backpack. That I do. Yeah, that I do. Jerky, yeah. whatever. But yeah, yeah. Are you going to play the win stuff in December? I'm gonna try. I think. I think yeah. my next, you know, quote I feel unquote, like that's big be tournament. West. Yeah. In a way. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, that it's obviously the biggest 10k outside of the main. Yeah. Um, I think that should be. That's definitely a target for me. I'll definitely play that. And then the rest of the year, just those same Venetian and win tournaments and WSOP online. When there's a bracelet event, I obviously don't like online nearly as much as live. But when there's a bracelet on the line, I will jump in there and play. And then a couple of the run good stops. I'm going to Tulsa. On the Run Good Cruise, going to their big Thunder Valley, they have a twenty five hundred one mil guarantee at Thunder yeah. Valley, which Damn, is a pretty, pretty good. good one. If you guys want to come down for that one, just saying. Someone needs to fly me out and put me up, and then I'll be there. That's how it needs right. to happen. Thunder Valley, they treat they treat you pretty well, so I think I think we might be on to something well, to bring Donnie Peters out there. I mean, yeah. When is it? Um, I probably it is, have a wedding, but when it is, is it? the week after Thanksgiving. Oh, that's good. So Thanksgiving weekend, so and then we the have next week the NFT there. invitation on that week. When is the NFT Invitational? No. December third. Is it? It's about it's about that time. Yeah. Okay. No, whatever. Uh. I mean, I'm pumped to play the NFT Invitational. By the way, <laughs> like yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm ready to go. Like I think that'll be a lot of fun. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for us. Hopefully, you guys like this little special edition of the Poker Go podcast. Thank you very much again, Jeff, uh, for joining us, and congratulations. Thank you. you know, thank you. We, now we expect you to win every single tournament that you okay, enter. Maybe less than you know. So, uh, so, so don't. So don't. Every go out time there he wins, we have to bring him back on. Is that yes. the, is that the way it works? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, that's fair. Yeah, I, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna want to pick his brain selfishly, so I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm <laughs> we'll gonna just do it on I'm the gonna, air. I'm gonna say. I'm going to use the podcast as an excuse because I don't think Jeff's going to sit down with me for two hours and just talk. <laughs> he so might. I'm be like, I would. You know what? Let's you, go on, on the podcast and let's talk He about might it. start charging us soon. He might ask for a day rate. Just no. to be, Where is that appearance fee? Uh, well, at least an energy drink. I, I can do that. Okay. Oh, well, you know what? I thought you were bringing your own today. So. Uh, no, I forgive you. I'll come back. Wow. Okay. Look at that. That's, that's cheap right. fee. He's Jeff Blatt. He's Tim Duckworth. My name is Donnie Peters. We will talk to you guys later. Peace. Peace.